You know when a dog bites you, you can either chain him up or shoot him. You gonna kill your own son? Well, I sure can't chain him up, can I? <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Sam Shepard. That's the closest you could get to it. Yeah. Yeah. From uh, Cold in July, which is, you know, a little bit of a preview for our discussion. Yes. There. A little bit of a quote. Um, I want to bring this up before we get into our film discussions. Okay. Because... Uh, so we talked about our top five guys that are dudes. Yes. And that was a very fun list to do. It was. It was very cool. And people really liked it. Really? Uh, I've been getting a lot of, uh, people coming up to me and being like, I really like your guys' choices for guys who are dudes. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys for, uh, for, uh, the reception. That's awesome. And you'll be happy to hear this. Uh, Lauren messaged me and said, uh, next time you guys should do chicks who are dudettes. Oh, yeah. So maybe we could do that for next episode. Perfect. Yes. Build up to it. That would be awesome. Yeah. Are we still saying by the same criteria? I think so. Okay. I think so. Because, uh, you know, actresses compared to actors, obviously they don't get as much mm-hmm. recognition or credit, obviously with like pay stuff and whatnot. But like there's still some that are like really up there you know like scarlett johansson angelina jolie mm-hmm. but then you got the ones that are like you know they're doing great things but maybe not as widely recognized much like the guys who are dudes that we i listed. think it's great and i'm i <clears throat> i only say guys that are dudes just because i mean just i guess you know if i have to defend myself i don't want to say defend myself but like the reason why we kind of don't think about the opposite sex in that it's not for equality or anything it's just kind of you're drawn to your gender so true i think a, a lot of females probably don't recognize a lot of male actors but would be able to recognize a lot of female actors but uh no i think that's fantastic because i don't want to i don't want to lean one way or another top five what was it? chicks that are dudettes? chicks that are dudettes yes i like that yeah we'll do it because i bet you i'll be able to come up with that that would probably be a little bit more of a fun research as it skipped my purview uh, and mm. i going back nodding and being like oh yeah oh yeah i think so you know yeah because you know you know us we're a couple of guys who are dudes yeah we often do guys who are dudes types things yeah you know <laughs> several times we eat meat and cut wood that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's a euphemism i think <laughs> that reminds me of like one of those um like one of those shirts that you see on facebook that are like I'm a red-blooded American. I drink beer. I smoke meat, and I eat my son. Yeah. I defend defend my rights. <laughs> there we go. My name is Gerald, and I was born in July. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I really just want to have a shirt that says, guys that are dudes. I think that would be great to have that. Invariant. Are you saying you want that as a merch idea? Yeah, uh, it might be one of those things. Uh, I've been having a couple more people talk to me about merch. So, I mean, I, I would say until it either gets popping or I don't know, whatever, if it's within reason. But I always, I just thought it was a fun a fun expression. You know, guys that are dudes or I'm a, I don't know. It, I, we'll, we'll think about it. It really is because, like, I don't know. It's such a fun sentiment, right? Yeah, just yeah. guys being silly. Yeah. Like just goofing off, having having some goofs and gaffs. Yeah, goofs and gaffs. And there's like movies that perfectly exemplify that, like RRR. Mm-hmm. And, oh, uh, yeah. Like another round. There's there's plenty of movies that yeah. encompass that exact energy. It, it I would say there it, it's, it's more like a B 
It'd be like more like the B character in something. Like in well, so honestly, I guess I am waving. Away. But like R R R didn't take itself too seriously. But for an action film, it's obviously over the top. But also, there's a lot of like laughs and good times in it. Thing like another round's more of a comedy. Maybe a little bit of a drama with everything going on. Mm-hmm. But like you have your action films that could be like that. Like Stallone, if he didn't headline blockbusters, would be a guy that I'd think about where he's just doing just enough. Like maybe John Claude Van Damme. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's, it's always, it, you know, in my eyes at least, you always fit in that category if you're not taking it too seriously, but you can pull it off like, you know, you are. Mm-hmm. So. I, I always picture the scene in, um, I think it's Predator, where Arnold and the other guy, like, they lock hands and their yes. biceps are, like, yes. bulging out. That's a guys who are dudes, like, that's the that's the oh, face yeah. of it right there. Yeah, almost, 100%. Which I still need to see that movie. Um, it's, uh, but, uh, okay. You know, just, I just killed the momentum there. Don't mind me. <laughs> Speaking of momentum, uh, there's a lot of stuff going forward. In terms of uh, possession and and demons and whatnot. Yes, we're hopping into it. Let's go. And talk to me. I thought that you might have the... What's... Are you allowed to elaborate on the controversy with Sound of Freedom? Or is that just so... I figured one that might be a good movie to kind of pair up with Cold in July because of the subject matter also. But at the same time, too, it does have a lot going on in terms of controversy and like different things going on behind the scenes it's an interesting way to subject matter. and it's one that like i want sound to do of freedom's dark sound of freedom's dark yeah is the movie dark it's about um child trafficking oh yeah oh that probably would have it, it probably would have paired up with cold yeah, july pretty well probably. but like i have always i have also like wanted to see talk to me too yeah so well, we have to i mean it's a 24 it fits within i mean we talk about them quite a bit true they are they are like the the little golden child of this podcast almost yeah in terms of movie studios i mean you know if we're picking one it's usually we lean in that direction you know we the you know, parents and try not to have a favorite but obviously <laughs> you have a favorite you know? yeah um but I, so I mean, maybe we can talk about that one next episode if it's still in theaters because it's one that's like super popular and it's made a lot of money mm-hmm. amongst like the conservative like Christian value market essentially because it's kind of passing itself off as that from what I from what I can understand yeah but there's a lot behind the scenes like one of the guys who was a funder for the movie was arrested for child kidnapping recently yeah. Jesus. Oh, that's a controversy. Well, that's kind one of, of one of them. Yes. I never. I had no idea. I heard Sound of Freedom, and I kind of was thinking it's a war movie. So I had no idea. I've, I haven't looked into it. I've, it's just been. It's a super fucking generic title. Like it, yeah, it, it could uh, be any kind of movie about America. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what I was. I heard that, and I was like, I don't know it's what a Sound of Freedom. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not mocking it. I thought it was a very generic title, and I looked at that. And most titles, like you, you know, not to say that you can guess, because talk to me. I don't think if you just heard that, you won't be able to just guess. It's about possession, you know. But yeah, that one's a little bit more lean. Uh, uh, alludes to uh, certain uh, things being filmed. Yeah, certain so, ideas. Yeah, certain feelings. Yeah. So yeah, mm. yeah. So I had no idea, and when you said it was controversial, I laughed. I was like. This PG movie's controversial, so now after hearing a little bit more about it, uh, a little intrigued. 
Yeah, uh, maybe it's one we can talk about if we both decide yeah, to watch maybe. it. Yeah, I could go we'll either see. way Is on it. Is it PG thirteen or R? I think it's R. Yeah, okay. If it has to do with like child sex trafficking, I'd imagine it's rated R. But you think so. But also, I mean, like Taken is like four cuss words away from being rated R. Right. They might have marvelized it a little bit. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm curious about. But anyway, you know, cool. So we'll maybe, 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 maybe. But for right now, maybe definitely talking about talk to me. Believe that. And I will summate this one yes. because you, I imagine, want to get cold in July. Yeah, I'd like that. Uh, so Talk to Me. It's an A24 film directed by Danny and Michael Philippow. Read, heard, read a little bit about them. Yes. Not not a whole lot. When I say read a little bit, it's like two sentences. So I know they're YouTubers and they finally got a budget to do a film. Mm-hmm. Racka Racka or something like that on YouTube. Yeah, that we're giving plugs. You might want to edit that and post. Um, I don't think I need to. No. Okay. I think we're good. You really are on the A twenty four train. Choo choo. <laughs> yeah. So I- <laughs> anyway, uh, yep. Directed by uh, these two brother directors, um, YouTubers essentially, who have kind of made a name for themselves as filmmakers now. Starring Sophie Wilde, Alexander Jensen, uh, Miranda Otto. Who uh, was in Lord of the Rings? She Eowyn. played Eowyn. Yes, Eowyn. Yeah, I recognized her from somewhere while I was watching the movie. I was like, "Where is she from?" She's so familiar. And then it was like, oh, "Duh." I didn't want to. <laughs> I I was trying not to be the old man version, but I did the same thing. Then I'm looking at her, and I was like, "Man, that I have to look her up. I got to see what she's been in." See Lord of the Rings. I was like, "Oh wow," you know. And then I'm like, "Man, she just looks so much older." now than she did in those films because she's like playing like a daughter princess essentially you know the, essentially yeah yeah right and and the daughter of the king of rohan yeah and now you know she's and then like you think it's like oh, i guess it is 22 years later yeah <laughs> like, yeah i mean people age it's yes. okay yeah that's not a crime no no i'm not holding it against her at all i just it it made me laugh i was because i've seen that i was like it just felt like it was so recently that i saw her in something mm-hmm. and then you kind of age yourself yeah uh and this film is about uh this girl uh played by sophie wilde mia who she kind of experiences a loss uh she is dealing with the loss of her mother kind of a a sort of tragic way that that happened and she has trouble connecting with people and then her and her like friends and like her friends family that she's like really close with like they basically consider her a member of the family at that point Mm -hmm. uh they decide to go to a house party and at that house party these two people have in their possession this porcelain hand that's kind of you know has a bunch of writing on it it looks pretty demonic it looks pretty freaky and they've seen all these videos of people who have touched the hand who say talk to me and then they get like this weird experience and they decide that they want to try it out for themselves and things go a little too far with it yes and uh start to spiral out of control yeah you know the hand the hand wants what the hand wants i guess (laughs) um so yeah, I I was intrigued by this because obviously with YouTuber directors, it hasn't been a great track record. Usually when people think of going from YouTube to directing a movie, people think of like Logan Paul or Shane Dawson or like Smosh. They've tried their hand at making movies, but they're always Logan like... Logan Paul's directed a movie. Mm, in the loosest term, yes. 
Okay. Yeah, it was like some shitty airplane knockoff, basically. Like, he tried to modernize airplane, essentially, but it just was super fucking bad. Okay. (laughs) Um, But... In, in a sense, like, YouTubers trying to become filmmakers is kind of, in itself, a joke. Kind of. Like, the thought of it is, like, oh, nobody's going to take it seriously because you guys are just YouTubers and blah, blah, blah. But Yeah. I, yes. I don't know. I was very impressed by what these guys put together. I had no idea that they were YouTubers. So, this film felt like it was a startup <clears throat> director that took uh, a well-written movie and did a good job with it. I mean, I wasn't really wowed with the cinematography but at the same token this movie is very engaging and it's a clean 140 minutes oh yeah it's very precise yes in its runtime i like how short it is and it's felt pretty consistent overall like the quality of it i don't think there was really any point where it drastically became bad or anything to me or that i wasn't interested in where it was going i had a few issues with it obviously but Get to it. It's one of those things where I'm curious to where they're going to go next because it seems like all oh, the directors. Yes, um, because it seems like they have a really good vision for filmmaking and what they want to get across. Did they write this or was this handed to them? Uh, it was written by one of the brothers and then someone named Bill Hinsman. Okay, so as long as they, because I I do think. If you write your own film, I think you have a little bit more of a vision about what you want to create. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, I'd be curious if they keep right, like the Safety Brothers. Like I'm pretty sure they write their own scripts and then direct their own films. Like I don't, I think that there is a little bit of a harder time when someone hands you something for you to come up with what you want to create without having rewrites or having that kind of experience. So it is refreshing, though, that they did make this on their own, and it sounds like the whole idea came from them. Yeah, it seems like very grounded, and it definitely feels like something that they themselves would be inclined to make because there's a lot of kind of frenetic, crazy energy about it at a lot of points in it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've taken a look at their YouTube channel, but they make a lot of videos that are kind of stunt oriented. Mm. There's a lot of like sort of choreography going on. It's almost like they should have directed an action movie instead of a horror movie in a way. But at the same token, it does make sense for this type of concept of a movie to be directed by people who love that kind of high energy frenetic. This was pace about it, you know? Yeah. So they're uh, spoilers for, talk to me so yes. if you haven't seen it i'm glad you said uh, that. i think we haven't we haven't really dived in too much with anything that would you know ruin the film for you so but if you haven't yes. seen it um yeah now's your warning yeah uh i think <clears throat> this movie reminded me a lot of um it follows have you okay. seen that yet not yet not yet that would be one that either get recommended or I would say just check out on your own. I don't know if we have to have it. Um Yeah, I might watch it by myself. Yeah, there's there's um uh it's same same sort of tone, same sort of tension. And it's if not it's a very high concept horror film, so um it's not it's not the category across the piano, you know, jump scares. You know, this is a very uh methodical kind of I guess thriller could be thrown in um yeah and it does I, have some thriller elements for sure yeah yeah and it's not very like i said i mean it does deal with like a you know the subject matter is a little bit about horror but i mean it's not like that's the central 
Well, not the central theme, if you will. You know, yeah. it feels like there's a little bit more of emotional stakes involved with the characters. I was going to say, this feels very, like, character-involved. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel for the characters in the situation they're in, which I think is a really good accomplishment that the movie does. Because, like, you could totally... You could totally have a scenario where a movie is just concerned with like the horror element of it and scaring you and like that's okay but at the same time with a concept like this having those really well-written characters that are also very well acted i will say yeah helps a ton everyone i thought did a really good job mia was awesome she was really fantastic. mia was great um i really was impressed with the uh the young kid that played daniel I really liked him. Like, he gave a really good performance for something. Like, he had to do a lot of wacky shit, like banging his head against the wall and acting like an insane fucking possessed person. Mm Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot to ask of like a younger kid actor, especially one who I don't think has a whole lot of experience with making a movie like this before. No. Because other than uh, Miranda Otto, I don't think anybody else in this movie has a whole lot of film experience under their belt at all, like including the the main character, yeah, Sophie Wilde. I don't, uh, I don't yeah. think they have any Co- of that. Couple films, maybe. I kind of was. I went under her IMDb because I think this is her first time actually like leading a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't honestly remember, um, I, but it's not a lot. None of them really had. Some of them don't even have pictures for their IMDb page. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's crazy good. And I think it helps, too, that they fit those actors in roles that they would excel at versus if they were playing, like, some Victorian-era characters that are supposed to be a little more, like, proper and, you know, held up or whatever. Well, this movie kicks off with... um this movie kicks off with the party going on, and it's a awesome tracking shot, mm-hmm. you know? And it, I think all tracking shots are usually pretty good but i think yeah. i definitely think that there's a skill involved with it because you don't see them in every f- movie no you there's know? some that are really poorly done like in um the bye bye man is one that <laughs> i'm thinking of that sure has a really shitty tracking shot um but like you said for the most part those who kind of take the risk and go for it they make sure to do it at least okay yes that's what i'm that's uh what i'm thinking so i mean it opens up with a great tracking shot and the music's going and it's this guy looking for his brother you know and then all of a sudden i mean it's just i mean and there's a band going on it was it was just it was kind of like it really just propels you right into like this is what you're going to be dealing with throughout the whole film yeah it tells you what the i didn't mean to cut you off no you're good um it tells you what the movie's tone is going to be what the kind of atmosphere is going to be with like these sort of like zoomer australian kids having a party Mm -hmm. you know kind of goofing it up but there's like this darkness to it and then finally you get the encounter with the brother he stabs the brother stabs himself in the face which by the way i really like the way that was edited like it almost kind of felt like a jump scare but in a way where it it feels like it had a purpose oh yeah a hundred percent i like yeah. it was, it, it's not like it was really directed at the audience. It was just directed at the situation you were watching, and you're just kind of reacting to how fast it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're really, you're really sitting there. It's almost like you're a party goer, and you're just kind of, you just see the brother get stabbed. You're like, oh shit! And then all of a sudden, he because if you were in that situation, you'd be like, oh shit! Did he actually just do that? Oh yeah, that's not something that you're, you know. And all these people are like, you know, he gets in there, and they're like, oh, he's so fucked up, man. He's so fucked up, ah, uh, you know. And then that happens. Like you're, it definitely so 
sobers you up for a minute if you were to see that happen. I mean, it'd be like a gun going off at a party. Like, yeah, it would. You that adrenaline would definitely sober you up for about all of thirty seconds, and then it's back to like, oh shit, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it was. I, I, it was. It was well done. I didn't. I wasn't too invested no i just saw it and i was like all right that's kind of different and then i just started thinking in my head i was like well you know how hard would you have to stab yourself in the face maybe you got it in the eye mm-hmm. you know and it, it didn't really jump i wasn't i thought he killed the brother and then it's like oh he's gonna kill himself because that's usually how those films go mm-hmm. you know like it's not like he just gets out of it unless you see him like maybe walk away, but as soon as he stopped, I was like, "Oh, I thought he was gonna slit his own throat. I thought he was gonna do like one of those, like, you know." But no, no just a just a knife to the face. The creative choice to make it a knife in the face does set up that frenetic yes energy that you get later in the movie, which I do like quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about the character writing? Because I do like the characters and I like how they're acted and how they're portrayed and like the things that they go through but like some of the character writing i think could have been a little better because it always kind of annoys me in movies when you have to create tension between the characters but you have to do it in a way where it's like sense it makes sense and like like the mom being mad at sophie or um mia Mm-hmm. for what happened to her son mm-hmm. and like kind of blaming her like like did you give him drugs like what did you give it? and it's like it's creating that tension there yes. and like it's setting up things for to happen later in the movie yeah. but at the same time it doesn't really feel earned no or natural it, they there was one conversation about someone like me getting high once and and that was supposed to be like the precursor for Miranda Otto that was enough feeling that way towards her. Yeah, enough for her to be like, you fucking junkie. Yeah. You know, I was like, there, the writing, there, so in these films, one of the harder things to have happen, and I have a couple annoyances that I'll bring up, mm-hmm. is uh, you have to escalate the tension, like you said, quickly. And there's got to be a reason for it. So normally there's these like little one lines that are thrown in that establish prior events, you know, to say, oh yeah, we'll build off that. But like, Imagine if they have Mia, you know, before she picks up her brother, like throwing out a joint, you know, like then you can go, oh yeah, the mom definitely knows she gets high, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's really hard because they come in with Mia's mom had killed herself and she was maybe going through some depression. So I'm like, okay, so she's like in your house all the time, you know, this, like how out of touch are you as a parent to not know, especially if that kid's coming over every day, right? you know? Because, and definitely if she's getting high, your daughter's getting high. So, like, you couldn't, I mean, you could maybe blame me if you think they're getting high all the time. But, like, her to say it, like, one time, I think she, like, yeah, it. It was a bit of a stretch. It was. I, I didn't like that at all. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. When she goes to the hospital and they were kind of, like, staring at her and, and the, the, the other girl's pissed, you know. And I was like, I get why she's a little mad because she didn't want her brother to do it. But, like, Mia egged it on and said, come on, let him grow. And it's, like, one of those things where it's. And that I get. That I completely understand. But from the mom's point of view, it's like this character writing is very convenient for her to feel this way towards the main character. She could have had some. They could have. 
Yes, they could have did something else, but they also have to play into this fact that you have to, you have to show why Mia is now becoming like an unreliable. I don't want to say, and I don't know if it's right narrator because she's a protagonist of the film. She's definitely not directing the film, but like she's unreliable interactions, right? So mm. you have to have a very big moment that would be, like show why she is unreliable. Like I couldn't just hop that way. So it plays into. Um, what's going on with Mia later on in the film of is this in her head or is she being affected you know and well it's I also kind of see the connection to where it plays into the whole sort of drug addiction theme because to me the hand is supposed to kind of represent like drug use yes and in a party setting like 100%. it being sort of like a social catalyst and then it becoming an actual issue for yeah certain individuals it it turns into I was talking to Jasmine about it. Uh, it turns into you know fixation, mm. which then turns into addiction. Yeah, you know. So she, we actually got to see the stages, and normally like in that setting, I think it was well done with the party setting. Um, that's usually where a lot of people get into their problems. Mm. You know, it's it's uncontrolled substance abuse, and you don't really have someone there that's able to say, hey, that's too much. That's Don't do that. This is what this could do. You know, a lot of the time it's like, let's go get high with our friends, and uh, you know, it just keeps getting brought up. If mm. you know, like throughout the film, all Mia does is talk about the hand. Yeah, and then of course, it's also represented too by when Daniel uses it. He's a younger he's like what 14 in this movie something like that it's it's kind of hard to say because i mean like one of his buddies is like smoking a cigarette and i'm like i can't tell if he's supposed to be 11 or in high school yeah he was like pretty young he is like, we'll say that he's he's prepubescent and because kids are much more sensitive to the effects of drugs mm -hmm. it obviously harmed him a lot more than we're, the kids that were older and had been using it for yeah. for a longer time. A little experience with it, right? Yeah. And yeah. so like you have one bad time and it ends up hurting him quite a bit. Yes. And so he ends up in the hospital. And then throughout the movie you just see the main character just going through the stages of what essentially is a drug addiction, like mm -hmm. for like almost kind of being forced to do things that she in her consciousness doesn't want to do but she feels she has to do like yes. oh i have to kill my dad i have to kill him and put him out of his misery because they're telling me that he's suffering and if if i let him live like this he's he's always going to be there suffering the whole time right so that there's way, like a yeah. certain rationale buildup that she gets from the hand obviously because they're also they're also not being truthful they're not they're not telling her they're not telling her good things. All the hand no, but I think that that's kind of like what they're saying is like what it's like when you're on drugs and you're going through these addictions mm -hmm. or this fixation is that you're gonna do whatever you can to get what you need to get. Yeah, you know, and it also creates irrational thinking. So like a lot of her thinking as we go further along and she starts using the hand more and more, it becomes more and more irrational. Mm -hmm. You know, and then obviously too the trauma with her mother killing herself. And dealing with that makes her more susceptible to having issues with drugs yes. or, I guess, the hand. Yeah. Essentially. Um, I thought it was a really niche uh, <laughs> topic to touch on, but probably one that's pretty pre prevalent. I do think that mm. it makes me like these guys even more because I think they're bringing some social awareness through, like, and I'm not going hoity-toity, but through an allegory <laughs> in film, you know. And well, it shows that they have a lot more to offer than just like the surface level technical stuff. So yeah. like, they got pretty good camera work. They got really good actors. Like the lighting, the editing, like it all seems very down pat. Mm -hmm. But the question is like whether or not the content of it can 
hold up to all those things. And I think for the most part, it does. I do. I would agree. I, I do too. I do too. And it, so there's another movie I mentioned. It follows. Like I'm not gonna. It really is just about a girl uh, who gets caught up with having uh, a demon following her around. Right. Mm-hmm. It only moves at a certain pace, and that's the film. You know. Uh, and that one, what came out in 2014, and I think it was an uh, an allegory for uh, STDs. You yeah. know, and, and teen. Uh, you know, teens having sex without having like sexual education behind it, you know? And that was kind of like, that was really sophisticated and ahead of its times in terms of horror films. And that's actually from that one, every time I watch a horror movie, I'm always like, is this just pure slasher? Or is there some meaning behind it? You know, was that one also a 24? I don't know. You might be able to look it up uh, or I can look it up in a second. If it was or wasn't, I do remember it being a more like impactful, sort of towards the indie side of horror movies i think it, i really do think it was a24 but i don't want to stamp it yet yeah coming um, out at a time when like paranormal activity and yes. like saw eight was like the big thing horror's always been a roller coaster like you want to go on shivering timbers like you don't go to the theme park you know to have the you know psychic guess your weight <laughs> you know you go there to ride you know shivering timbers zigzag zoomer all that stuff so like that's the that's the concept behind, or that's the idea behind horror films. At least for me, like when I hear like, we're really localizing this podcast. Shout out to Michigan's Adventure. Hell yeah! <laughs> Maybe, Maybe we'll, we'll talk get to a them. deal. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> Turn it off. We're going. Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we end the podcast there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Next thing you know, coming at you from Michigan Adventures. We pick out our favorite roller coaster rides and compare them to the movies that we've watched. Yeah, whoa, this movie's just. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Uh, this roller coaster's just a lot like uh, funny games, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, Kyle, what'd you go on? Was that laser tag? Uh, you could say it was laser tag, or you could say it was all quiet on the Western Front. Oh, am I right? Coming back at you in one moment. <laughs> Michigan Adventures open at 9, p- or 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're not shills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yes, that It Follows came out, and I think I don't want to say it revolutionized. I do think there are horror films before that do uh, you take it in sort of one of those social awareness senses where there's a little bit more that could scare you if put into something that you might mm-hmm. understand or see what would be frightening. Like if you show this movie to people, and obviously you can't say this is what's going to happen to you, but you know, it like, gives it gives them ideas to think about and. Obviously offers more than something like Paranormal Activity or maybe The Conjuring where it's literally just the atmosphere and the scares Mm -hmm. that those movies kind of stand on. Right. And yeah, like you were saying. Yeah. Uh, So... um Anyway, this and it, so this reminded me a lot of it follows and I th- they did a great job with it though I mean I think this is gonna get them another film down the road here they the have next... um they have a sequel that they're making already for this yes that interesting well I guess technically it's a prequel because it has to do with those brother characters in the beginning were they brothers I or think were so. they like brothers I think they were brothers okay they were like. They were like, uh, you know, Joel Cohen and Ethan Cohen brothers. Right. They, right, they okay. weren't like Timothy Chalamet, Army Hammer brothers or anything. <laughs> well, they, those, they weren't brothers either. Uh, <laughs> I think that one starts with an L. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So budget was uh, four and a half mil, and it's already got ten, and it's gross thirty one. Oh yeah. The, oh yeah. Oh yeah. This started a whole conversation because. Um, 
a coworker of mine had seen this movie. Shout out to Drew. And I actually went and saw this with him. And so we were talking about it afterwards. And this spawned a whole conversation about horror movies and the budgets versus the box office. Because horror movies have the best profit margin in terms of putting out a movie. Because they're roll. <laughs> Because they're super cheap to make, and they make a fuck ton. Because people are like, "I want to, I want to be scared. They're, I want to piss my pants in the theater." And then yeah. they go and see it, and then they make all the money. That's that's. I think you have to find the like Blumhouse, A twenty four. Like you do have to find the right production company. Because I bet you there are some like the big wigs, you know, at like Warner or you know New Line. Like definitely not coming out with horror movies like that we're not having our our brand be represented by that so it's kind of funny like you're like oh that makes you a lot of money yet the big like big production companies aren't doing it Mm -hmm. right yeah isn't that kind of like a weird 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 thing is that kind of weird it is kind of weird thing maybe it's maybe it's something to where they don't want to dilute the market all at once with horror movies kind of let it drip feed make their profits and then they can put those profits to projects that they actually want to make no they definitely they highbrow the people that make horror films that's what it is blumhouse like when they go to a dinner if you had like the ceo of every production house blumhouse goes in their shirts unbuttoned a little drunk already and everyone kind of like looks at them and they're like blumhouse is coming to talk to you they kind of turn their back and walk away Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's probably where don't really take them as serious yeah yeah 824 is the interest one if they were to walk into like a dinner you know mm-hmm. and then you got you know all the you know and they walk in there and they're kind of looking around i bet you they're super like hipster though yeah and they're like i don't even want to be should here. we invite a24 yeah <sighs> every sure. time they show up like they're dressed really nice and like but they don't talk to anyone yeah you know? they're always writing in their fucking notebooks yeah yeah it's like they're it's like they're i try s- to start up a conversation with them and they're like shh i'm busy i'm busy yeah. oh and then they like and then we'll bring something up and then they have to counter like they one up us because they're too smart for us like mm. you ever get that like they think that they're better than us yeah they, they're really pretentious about it you yeah. know it's like they have something deeper going on yeah. like what what's more important <laughs> uh, we're making money in here yeah that's i'm gonna look i want to see uh it follows i gotta see if this was a24 or not i really want to say it was a24 um max doing the research on the spot research i don't know how to just look up the production company does it pop up like here right let away me on? let me see if i can find something oh uh uh i don't think it was a24 no how it was about that? northern lights films animal kingdom and two flints wow those were the production companies okay. so all right not a two four, but maybe I'm thinking of it comes at night because I always get those two movies kind of yes. jumbled up. It that's that is a twenty four film. Yes, yes, it is. So going back to talk to me, um, were there any other kind of issues that you had with it besides sort of like the character writing? Uh, not necessarily character writing. Um, unearned. These are small gripes, but like I was telling. Talking to the lovely, lovely Jasmine, um, who's doing fine. She did not fall asleep at this one. Mm. So I had to do a shout out for that. She actually sat up at one point. I thought it was because she was into the film, but it turns out she was just uncomfortable. Ah. Um, yeah. Um, the, the mom, the whole mom thing, really didn't like that at all. Um, not not in a sense like it like really bugged me. Uh, more that they use it as a device to keep her as an unreliable narrator, and that the direction or the 
the tensions that that's being created. You don't know if she's standing on the right side or the wrong it's side. It's very of it. convenient because the first instance of it you get is her having a huge issue with Mia because she has a perception in her mind that like what's wrong with her son is her fault entirely because of like drug use. No, and no, then, no, no, no. I'm talking about Mia's mom. Oh. Yeah, not oh, that mom. I thought Mia's you were talking mom. about Miranda Otto no, still. No, Mia's mom is... I. She goes... They're talking about it, and she's like, she accidentally killed herself. And, like... It, like... They, no, she goes, she killed herself. Accidentally. And I'm like, okay. Like, I, I guess. You know, maybe, like, you fall on the knife or something like that. You know, I don't know how you accidentally do it. You know, took too many sleeping pills. I think she said accidentally, but there was blood under her fingernails. Like she was calling at the door for help. And I'm like, who, you know, who, okay, where are we at with this thing? Mm -hmm. Like, and then, so they, they show a a flashback with the mom and how much fun she's having with her daughter. Right. Yeah. It's like a Snapchat memory. Yeah. She's just going through watching it. And I'm like, okay. Like now I'm thinking maybe something happened with the mom in terms of a possession or something, you know, maybe she got in. No, the mom's just supposed to be evil, you know? And then they, they leave it where, uh, the dad is like, I wanted to tell you about this note, you know, from your mom that she left. I've been keeping it from you for too long. I'm like, this is really fucking convenient Mm -hmm. timing for that. You know? So I have kind of a, Maybe a theory, maybe it has something to back it up with, but I want to bring it up and see what you think. Okay, let's hear it. So, you remember when she first grabs the hand and says, talk to me, and then she sees something and she, like, winces away because she's super frightened. You don't really get to get the a very good look first one? at what it is. I think it's the very first one. It was an old guy. Yes. So, she, like, lets go of the hand and they're like, you got to do it. You got to go through with it. And she's like, okay. And she grabs the hand and says, talk to me. And then the next one that comes up is this, like is this lady that's kind of wet and covered in boils and like yes just like very moist and glistening and like kind of disgusting looking she looks shocked though she's like the funny thing it's is, like she was a victim of being drowned and yes. like nobody had found her body right so she gets through it and says talk to me blah 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 she she gets possessed for like that amount of time and then she comes out and she's like that was awesome you know almost every time you get the instance of her mom coming back to her in like the visions that she has Mm -hmm. and like the hallucinations you hear instances of running water so it makes me think that it's not actually her mom it's possibly that other spirit lady that is almost sort of like taking the place of her mom and kind of like shifting her perception of her so that it looks like her mom because I think as the movie goes along too the mom gets more and more grotesque Yes. And it kind of morphs into something a lot more monstrous. I'm not... Yeah, I do like that theory, and I'm behind it. I Mm -hmm. like that a lot. Now, that's not exactly... I think the bigger issue I have is just the writing with it Mm. and uh, keeping... They allow the idea to think that the mom did not kill herself. And I'm not saying one first things first, right or wrong, you know, suicide's bad. So uh, that's not the issue with it. It's more so in terms of using the death of the mom as a device to keep the audience members guessing as to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's a very loose way of doing it. Yeah. Is what my, so yeah, I do like the idea though of that spirit conveying different ideas, but I also think that the writing left out key pieces of information to keep the audience members kind of guessing at whether it's not necessarily Mia that's bad, but maybe the dad, 
you know maybe it is a mom yeah because at one point they frame it to where like oh he's evil he's not your dad you have to do something about it yeah and it kind of it does kind of create those like convenient moments of uh like tension Mm -hmm. i guess for lack of a better word like like plot devices and situations that wouldn't otherwise naturally happen and kind yes. of feel like they come out of left field. Yeah, that's that was the issue that I had with it. So like some of the writing gotcha. was was very it was loose. It was a little loose to my uh to my liking, but at the same token, if they're keeping to their theme of using it as a representation of drug abuse, you know, mm-hmm. irrational thinking does get created. So, you know, with her and everything that happened with the dad and that's not your dad, that's a very feasible thing that would happen, you know. Yeah. So it, it does it it still continues on with the theme. It just felt like they were using some of the writing uh, very loosely to keep the audience members kind of engaged with the story or at least guessing. Or at the least story. like keep the through line of she's spinning out of control. Like she's becoming very unreliable mm-hmm. to the other characters around her to but the you're point not where sure, it creates are, this tension. That's the thing with unreliable characters is like you're just you're not sure. You don't mm-hmm. know who to believe. That's why it keeps you guessing the whole time. Because like at some point in this film, you got to feel like. Um, She's going to figure it out. So let me ask you this question. I want your thoughts on this. Uh, And this is another thing that Drew brought up. He's he's doing a lot of my heavy lifting. So shout out to Drew again for bringing this idea to the table. Yeah. Um, At the end when she's got Daniel in the wheelchair and she's by the road. Mm -hmm. And then there's like that moment where she pauses. Her mom's talking to her. And then something happens to where the car crashes. And it's revealed that she jumped out into the traffic instead of pushing Daniel in the wheelchair out there. Mm -hmm. Do you think she jumped on her own or do you think she was pushed by Julia? So I, I definitely have something that I think it's an inch. Okay. So what I think happened is the mom pushed her and the mom took her. Cause the one, as much as they wanted to create, uh, as much as they wanted to hurt other people, it was foreshadowing from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. So, like, the mom as, like, the ghost spirit pushed her? Essentially guided her to do it. It'd be the same, like, duck it. Instead th- of guiding her to, like, push the wheelchair out? Yes. So, here's the thing. Duck okay. it. Okay? At the very beginning, his brother's trying to help him out. He stabs his brother. Doesn't kill him. Stabs him. Mm-hmm. Right? Whether or not the intention was there to kill him or not is to be determined okay then what does Duckett do stabs himself in the head right Mm -hmm. would you say that Duckett at any point had a clear moment and said i need to get this out of me i'm going to kill myself no right he does it himself so you'd almost think that the spirit that was infecting him took his life to bring him back in there i don't exactly know if there's more of like what the if they do it in the second one like passing through realms into Dante's and well, not Dante's Inferno, but limbo, you know, but like mm-hmm. you wouldn't say Duckett killed himself. Right. It looked more like a possessed sort of action than That's, it did. But here's my thinking with the um, Mia situation specifically, what I think happened and what I think makes the most sense to me personally, from a storytelling perspective mm-hmm. is that she's standing there. Her mom's got her by the shoulder and is like, you know what to do. You need to do what's right. To me, it doesn't really make much sense for the mom to push her to jump in front of traffic. I don't. I think I'm it's, not saying the mom pushed her. I'm saying the mom guided her to jump, just like 
there wasn't an evil spirit that looked at Duckett and said, "Stab yourself in the face." I think the spirit was it was like that strong in him that it guided him to do it. Because to me, I think what I gathered from the mom wanted her to push the wheelchair out, but instead, through the fog in her mind, she had a moment of clarity of like, "What the hell am I doing?" there's one way I can like fix this. And she like jumps out in front of traffic and does it herself. That's because to me, it kind of shows that she recognizes the consequences of her actions and has to pay the price for it. And so then later what happens in the movie when, you know, she essentially becomes like one of the spirits that is able to be conjured up. It it makes more sense that that would be the case. Cause then you reach a point of no return. You have a sort of, understanding of the consequences of your actions when you do that sort of thing so to me it makes more sense if she jumps herself like Mm -hmm. of her own volition instead of like the mom guiding her to to do it because then it tells us as the audience that like she at least recognizes she's gone too far i guess the problem that i have with that then is like it makes suicide like acceptable so that's where i would say I lean against that because like if you do have moments of clarity like there should be like something there should be more dialogue than I'm I think to me it was myself. like it was more so in the in the situation of desperation because maybe she was worried that even if she had a moment of clarity and was able to walk away from it who's to say that she wouldn't have like just gone back and done some more shit like maybe she recognized that she herself right. was a danger and that she needed to solve it by getting rid of and then well then if you have that life. moment of clarity like there would be more of an understanding of where you're at like she would have she would have known that she jumped yeah and she would have known i mean like she she does it here's what this is what got this is why i was leaning one way or another with either the spirit whatever the mom being inside of her having her do it or julia pushing her is that once she hits that car and she stands up she is all of a sudden conscious and clear of thought Mm -hmm. she has no idea what's going on all of her actions suggest that she doesn't know where she's at or what she's been doing so it's either got to be julia pushes her or a spirit guides her into that road because like i would say if you have that moan of clarity if the writers do it it kind of goes against somewhat of the theme because like then they're saying like your only way out is suicide which I don't feel is like a healthy message. No, definitely not. I think ju- just like for her character specifically. Yeah, but like you're you get you're putting this as a social awareness aspect now. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's not necessarily like it is an allegory of like outcome, like events. You know, equal outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've done this to yourself. But then at that point, like I think they're smart enough to be like, well, we don't want to have like say that she killed herself because then it would seem like the only way out of this stuff is suicide not to say it's all black and white but i feel like if there was a little bit of a like some clarity within the moment like there would have been a dialogue between she would have either recognized julia or the brother for a second and you would have saw her like go like i'm so sorry and Mm. then jump like that's why i'm saying i think they leave it open for inter and honestly they leave it open for you know discussions like this yeah and i i definitely can see where you're coming from with it i don't know if i have that same perspective but i understand mm-hmm. your line of thinking and same. So, i'm not saying i don't i it there's uh, so here's the thing there's honestly three things i thought this movie kind of going like first stepping away from it was about suicide and depression and about what can happen and, and ways to uh try to heal yourself with what's going on and obviously this is like a negative way to do it so when she jumped i thought it was suicide and I told 
I think me and Jasmine talked a little bit about it because I was I like it was like oh I'm gonna be the self sacrifice. I have this going on. I can't stop it. I need to go. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of, again, think about it. I was like, well, if it's really not about that, and we're trying to get a kind of like a little bit more of a social message going, like, I don't think that's it. She thought it, Julia pushed her. Mm-hmm. When you watch it in the background, though, Julia's counsel or consoling her brother. Yeah. You're like hugging him, like, can't believe. And it's like one of those things where I think if she would have pushed her, she would have just been standing there staring because yeah. you would have been in shock. Like, not to say that she wasn't, but obviously she was getting there and just saw it and was like, holy shit, you know, and then, like, I'm so happy you're alive. And also, too, like, we hadn't really seen her character do anything beforehand that would suggest she'd be capable of that sort yes. of thing. Yes. So, yeah, that's one that I have a little more of an issue with than yeah. what you were saying. That one, that's, like, the last one. And then the one that I see it as, it's the same way as Duckett, because you would almost say that Duckett, in a moment of clarity, decided to stab himself in the face. That's, like, kind of the same... Like, that's the same line of reasoning since we've already seen an event happen like that, is that at the very last second, these people can think about it, and they decide to kill themselves. Because, like, yeah. that's the whole reason the, the Duckett thing's there. You know, besides, like, the this get better get ready for what you're in for. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think Duckett would have just killed himself right at that last second with a moment of clarity and, and gotten off. I think With him, I don't think so either. You know what I'm saying? But that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think you can have one or the other, you know? Like, I don't think, like, it... And, but it's all about possession and shit. So I don't know. The only thing that made me think that too was because there's that scene where they're showing Riley getting like eaten or whatever by all these things. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know if that was like, this is what this world is like. Yeah. Or what these things are capable of doing. And there's really no talks about the payoff for having someone kill themselves or anything. His name it. was Riley, right? I kept, for some reason, I kept calling him Daniel. I think that was another character that I just, oh, yeah, that's the kid character. But oh yeah, so yeah, his name is Riley. I so I was I my mistake. I was wrong. Nope. Correction. Good. Um and and so like I that was one thing I was in terms of curiosity to it be like all right, I want to know a little bit more about the other world and like is there like a salesman attitude where if you get a spirit back in here you're rewarded with something you know <laughs> you get a rewards card is this a pyramid scheme going on down in hell right yeah now? you get like, like you get like a referral bonus yeah <laughs> <laughs> they go through you get two souls <laughs> yeah. and then like someone comes in and takes like they grab that like thing and then you it's see, like all right you get 250 on this next check and then after three months if these <laughs> souls are still here you get another 250 yeah. Yeah. it's like that's bullshit it was just four months you know like last time oh i'm sorry i'm not the policy maker yeah. here yeah policy changed you're gonna have to talk to the cfo Are you fucking kidding me that last guy I had was on the ropes yeah. it only counts if they do it one thing i want to mention too before we wrap this up is um i think there's a longer cut version of this movie because the director said that you know that whole sequence where it's kind of reversed on her and the spirit tells her i let you in yeah. And she gets a glimpse of like what's on the other side and like that sort of like really fucking hellish nightmare that Riley was going through. Mm-hmm. I guess instead of like cuz that was like a 5 second thing. Yep. I guess they had a whole 10 minute version of that scene for going through that world. For going through that world. That would have been interesting. That would have been very interesting. But I just want to know like But I don't know how it would have like in terms of like the pacing and like how it would have played out in the movie how that would have fit if it was that long probably all right so i will say if you gave us three minutes of it and really just like figuring out um 
maybe not. Uh, it's interesting, dude. I really just want to know like what they win if they fight. Is it like a prize? <laughs> that was yeah, like, what's their incentive? That's what I'm saying. Like, well, that's what. So that's what helps me out with the mom theory. If they're like, no, that's not it. Then I go back to, well, what the fuck? Like, are they just evil and they're trying to get, you know, kill people? I don't know. 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 Maybe we'll learn it in Talk to Me. Ooh. The sequel that I guess is going to be made. Talk to Me too. Electric. Me. Talkaloo. Yeah. Or whatever. Oh, I wish I could. Oh. What movie is this like? This is like. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> I can't fucking remember that roller coaster ride. This is like the Wildcat. Like, oh. That's mm-hmm. a good one. I was going to say the cork. Is it the corkscrew? Oh, corkscrew! Hanging out, and it's there's the Thunderhawk too. Yeah, what movie would that? That would be like a Transformers movie almost, right? Thunderhawk. Yeah, hopefully that's cold in July. Oh, (laughs) well, I guess we'll see. Yeah, maybe it's the Thunderhawk. Maybe it's the Funnel of Fear. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. to be determined. Uh, Was there anything more we wanted to say about Talk to Me? No, no. This is a this is a clean hour forty minute film. Uh, Very good in terms of uh, the the horror thriller genre. Uh, Getting a good point across, keeping it very tight within the theme uh, of what they're trying to uh, talk about. You know, or at least within that the the allegory that they're pitching it's so, got something more going on than just the basic horror elements yeah it was, and the big thing is it's clean it's a nice it's a yes. very fluid hour 40 there's not a lot of disruptions where and and it follows the third act kind of loses some of its steam mm-hmm. this one just keeps on going and it's very consistent throughout which i liked i think the only qualms i had with it was a little bit of the writing that we've talked about but like in terms of this film if that's it then it's usually a good one yeah what would you give it i'm giving it an eight out of ten awesome yeah i pretty much have the same kind of perspective that you have on it really well done horror movie overall i'm curious what their next films are going to be like if they decide to branch into other genres or if they stick with horror i'd be curious as to where they go with that some issues with the character writing, a lot of moments where it feels like convenient tension mm-hmm. for the sake of moving the plot along. But like you said, it's a tight 95 minutes. Yeah. And I I really like the pacing of it and just the overall compact feel of it. So this one's an 8 out of 10 for me, too. Nice. That's a good 8 out of 10, though. That's I mean, a good that's, 8 out of 10. Yeah, that's a good 8 out of 10. Yeah, very effective. I really did like that. Um, the montage scene, too, was pretty cool of uh, them at the party. It was playing all, with the hand. The music was really good. It was bumping. They had it was it was fun, and it really gave you that that party element. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, kind of like when things are getting a little out of control. Yeah, you know, and it's that one was very intimate too because it was just like the six of them. You know, which is usually like sometimes that's when you get into the most crazy stuff. It's because there's not everyone's on around. You know. Yeah, and that's when it's like, oh, we all get to share this then. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's it. That it was. Yes, it was good. I, it was good. Well, speaking of good, we got to see some good old boys yeah. in this next movie we're talking about. Cold in July. Cold in July. I wish we were talking about this movie in July, but you know what? We'll pretend it's July. I, I actually it's ha- close enough. I had it lined up if we didn't have those other things kind of pop up, which mm. had to have happened. Had to have happened. Had to have happened. We got so it. We had to do it. In my in my heart of hearts, this was recommended in July because I think my recommendation got passed over. Like we had to bump it back, so mm. it would have been right there. 
Uh, well. um, so this movie is uh, from 2014, uh, directed by Jim Mickle, uh, written by Nick Demichi. Um, this is also based on a novel by John Landell. Yes. Um, I read about that when I did a little bit of research. Yeah, it made me interested because that was the first time I've watched like the credits. Mm-hmm. And I saw that it was like based on a novel. I was like, really? Did you see the cover for that thing? Uh, I don't think so. Why don't you Google that real quick? Because that's actually the cover of that novel goes harder than the cover of like this movie. Yeah, because the cover of this movie is just like the three of them sitting in a car. It's it's right when they get to the final, yeah, the final level, which is an interesting choice for a movie like this. I mean, yeah. I'll get into it later. Yes. But. Uh, so um, uh, Jim Mickle and and what's weird is like so he had this and then he got one more film that he got to do and then they, oh yeah they I put, did see this. It's like him holding the tape and the gun. Yeah. It's uh there's like a he's got like an egg like a fucking like a uh, looks like assault he's got, pistol. Looks it's, like he's gotten like an Oculus rift on his face. It's an Uzi or something like that. He's got the hat and then yeah, he's got the tape on the it it's like I'll include a picture in the video. You have version. to. I saw that thing, I was like, Holy shit, like this man, I I think the book might be darker than the movie. But you read the synopsis too on it, it's like, I don't know, it kinda sounds like a little cartoony where this one Yeah, it grounds it quite a bit. I would say. So anyways, um um uh, it's starring. I should get into it. Uh, great cast: Michael C. Hall as Dane, uh, Sam Shepard as Russell, Don Johnson as Jim Bob, uh, Vanessa Shaw as Anne, Jim Bob, uh, and then uh, Wyatt Russell starring uh, Freddie Russell in the film. Interesting that they they cast him as that character. Uh, Kurt Russell's son. Yeah, Wyatt's a. I really like Wyatt Russell and most things. He has, he has a little bit of a pen, potential to be a guy who's a dude. Yes. A little bit. He was in a movie called Everybody Wants Some, and he was fantastic. And from Everybody Wants Some and this, is turned into like, all right, I really like seeing him and stuff, but he's also in like Captain America or something like that. And the, the He's in the Winter Soldier TV show. Yeah, the Captain America. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he's also in an episode of Black Mirror. Which is a pretty good episode. It's like one where he's in a video game. I guess all of those Black Mirror episodes are really good. Anyways, um, and I'm trying not to get sidetracked because we've already done it twice. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not the Neon Crew podcast if we're not sidetracked. Very true. Very that would not true. be on brand for us if we talk about sidetracked. Why don't you come down to Michigan Adventures and check out the water I, park? I don't know about track, but the <laughs> Raging Rapids is a yeah. sure good time. <laughs> Who's raging in this film? Sam Shepard. How about the Raging Rapids at Michigan Adventures? Who's You're raging in this film? How about Michael C. Hall's haircut, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, movie opens up with uh, Dane, played by Michael C. Hall, waking up to a burglar coming into his house. Um, he doesn't know what to do. Uh, immediately grabs a gun and tries to confront the burglar. Um you can tell that both men are frightened at, at the thought of death at, at that very moment. Uh, and the clock goes off to scare Michael Seal just enough to pop the burglar in the face and have him go down. Um, we then get into a little bit of figuring out what's going on, who the guy was, is my family protected? Michael C. Hall, obviously um, not, uh, uh, not embellishing what he did. 
with a lot of the townsfolk commending him on what he w- what he had done because it was you know it's in Texas. He's not and, exactly feeling like a hero. No, and he really just wants to know who the guy is that he killed. He, there's some remorse in him, and he wants to pay tribute for taking another man's life, um, which is really funny because of the way this movie handles it. Yes, uh, <laughs> but continue. Yeah, so. Uh, police officer says, hey, that's Freddie Russell. You got one of the guys, uh, you know, and his dad just got released from parole. So he's not too far from here, but we'll keep an eye out for you. And, uh, you know, Michael Seagal gets nervous. He sees Sam Shepard at the uh, uh, gravesite, you know, as, as he's paying tribute to his son that he really never got to know. And obviously had some re- feelings about that. Uh, probably a man later on in life kind of doing some reflection in, in, in prison and saying, man, I've squandered this. I want to make some amends. Runs into Michael C. Hall and thinks, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to kill this guy now. So a little bit of cat mouse going on at the beginning of the film. And that's where you kind of don't know what's happening. Uh, and then Michael Seagal goes to the uh, uh, sheriff's office and says, hey, I want you to protect my family or it's great, whatever. And then he notices, that's not the guy that I killed. Pulls up a picture of Freddie Russell and says, that's not the guy. And the guy's like, no, it is. He, he changed his contact lenses and got a haircut. That's Freddie Russell, which I thought was humorous. And how would you, between the bandana and a hat, <laughs> go like, oh, I saw blue eyes and not long hair? Um, you know, so uh, he, he sees that, you know, that's not the guy He's trying to get in contact with the sheriff's office. Well, they pick up Sam Shepard. Uh, dump him off at the railroad tracks. Michael uh, C. Halt, Dane, helps him up and wants to figure out what's going on. And from there, it takes off. Kyle, initial yes. thoughts. Initial thoughts were, when I was watching this movie, probably up until like halfway through, I said to myself, Mac, what are you doing to me? What What is this? How, <laughs> is this going to be another one of these, like, Jesus Christ? Kind and of. then it takes a turn. <laughs> it kind of. Yeah, you're right. And then it takes a turn. And it's one of those fucking movies where it got better. Yes. It got better as it went along. But my fucking God, it took a really weird roundabout way to get where it got to. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I took notes. I took a lot of fucking notes. I hope they're good. Hopefully it's something where we meet in the middle here and it's a film that will be remembered. I appreciate some things about it. And there's some things that I think work quite a bit, especially towards the later half, where it kind of embraces the type of movie that it is. But my fucking God, it was a rough start. It definitely is a slower film that I it's funny because I feel like the director kind of tricks us into leaning one way with it, what we're getting into. And when it starts to turn the page a little bit, you don't know where exactly it's going to go. It feels like two different directors almost. I, I <laughs> think, made this movie. Well, I think he read that book and was like, you know what? This we could we'll, we'll dial this down. That's why I'm kind of interested in that book because I feel like it'd be nonstop, like not action, but like like just the kind of same feeling that you get in the later half of the movie. Yeah, except throughout the whole book, which I that th- I'd be curious too. I I I like I like this tone a lot better than I think that because I really like where this film's kind of going because there's a it's really funny because there's like michael you could the feelings are there are feelings that 
people should have or feel, or at least where you're at, they say like that's how you should be kind of like in, in that headspace. You know, you, you kill a guy in Texas for taking your property. You're a fucking man now. And Michael C. Hall is like, no, I just want to know who I killed, you know? And then you got the dad out of jail who's doing some in- introspection with life and realizing he, he had a son that... It, he completely fucked up that relationship, and, and now he doesn't even have a chance to make amends. Mm-hmm. And he's going to go kill Michael Cialta. Oh, I can make amends with my son, right? And it's it's one of those things where you're just kind of getting these, you know, everyone's just walking along. It's a way of life. And then they hit that fucking spot with the videotape, and it just goes into, you know what? What, what did he it say? Takes, it takes off from there. Uh, he said... Uh, you know what happens when a dog goes You know bad? when a dog bites you? You can either chain him up or shoot him. You're going to go kill your own son? Well, I can't chain him up now, can I? And from it, like from the introduction of Wyatt Russell's character, I was on board. I think I I was like slouching in my chair yes. at that point. Like there is It drags okay, a little bit, right? Where's this movie go? Like what's yes. the point? What's the through line? Because I'm not really digging what I've seen so far. And then it gets to that videotape. And like him saying he's gonna kill him, so I'm like, wait a minute. Yep. I like lean up in my seat, <laughs> and I just I kind of like, all right, okay, okay, movie. Yeah. Let's see where you go with this. I'm interested. You, you have my attention. That's why I sent you that meme. Yeah, I know. That's it. Dude, was, it's how it go. I mean, that's how this movie is, and that, I think it's a, it's a testament to this film because I I think everyone up to that point feels like they're kind of just going down this really long winding road to nothing and then all of a sudden like you see like the bright neon lights flashing like oh shit there is something there and this looks big there's something there but man i really wish the first part of it was like captivating in itself for me because i i don't know about you but i really didn't care too much about the characters or what was going on it felt very (laughs) kind of cliched the hook the hook's got to get you with Michael C. Hall. I think you have to be invested with his character and why he doesn't, why there's no pride. And I, th- I don't blame his performance at all. I think no. that he did a good job. I, I really think, like Michael I like C. All Hall. These guys do, but like the character writing, I, I wasn't really digging, and it wasn't really giving me a good enough reason to care about him because the movie opens with that situation. It's a cold open. It's right? a cold open, and he's like hopped right in there and we really don't get to learn a lot about him other than that he's kind of timid and that he doesn't want the recognition from killing this guy in his house right like he's very like kind of averse to that and that's all you get though it's the most of the movie is just like him kind of dealing with the the situation of that and like the danger of the father being out of prison and like his wife like weirdly his wife was like kind of a bitch until a certain moment in the movie where like he says i'm gonna i'm gonna go on a sales trip for probably just a couple days maybe a week and then they have like some kind of back uh, and forth there i don't think she was a bitch at all i mean he i don't know she she didn't do any she really didn't do anything to get that status i mean so the funny thing is that they do explore a little bit of of, so they have his son there and you kind of see a little bit of the disconnect between him and his son, but you also get to see the trauma that he's going through and how it impacts his relationship with his son. Like, they're at a restaurant, and he tells them, it's not polite to talk when people are talking. Shut up. And then he goes, Danny or Jordan, shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. And, like, and like she gets and storms out. So I'm like, 
I don't blame her for that. Like, if anyone did that, I would be, like, totally on their side because why is he freaking out? There was, like, you know? some scene that made me think of her in a negative light, and I can't exactly remember what it was, but She's, it was, like, some interaction they had where she was, like, completely dismissive of how he felt. She was a little cold to things, and I, but I, I think the problem that was going on is she sees him in this a way a very timid man that she like that that's that's her like that's the way that they interact with each other you know she's kind of she wears the pants he's the framer you know he's very meek and he kind of goes about daily life it's like okay you know and she's the one that's a little brass you know good looking gal in the film so she kind of controls the situation so i think when he starts kind of having the this, this traumatic experience that's Im- impacting his emotions and he doesn't know what to do and he starts lashing out a little bit i I think you see her react in a way that most women probably would if that was a situation as they would try to control it. And you're getting to a point where you're seeing someone kind of, I don't want to say lash out, but act differently than what they were previously did. So in the situation, it looks like she's not being very kind about it, but given probably their whole relationship, since we've just in a cold open and don't know their whole life story, She's probably used to handling him a, a whole different way, you know. So I think that's kind of that. I I mm. thought she was great because I I always I always figured she was kind of the boss of the house. She played the you know, and that's why he's like, oh, I got to come up with the sales pitch. We're going to Houston. Like, let me tell her. Like, I, I let me get permission from my wife. You know, he's always running things by her. But at the same token, he's going through like a lot of this like whole traumatic experience and doesn't know how to handle this rage this adrenaline whatever you want to say because like the best part that i really that cracked me up is he goes back home after he sees the video and they say we're gonna handle it and he's watching a baseball game and all you hear is the bat hit the ball it's tink Mm -hmm. tink tink and all you know he's thinking about is that film as he's just staring just seeing you know what wyatt russell did and just like i gotta go and that's why I really like that part, too, because you don't know what he told her. And obviously, it comes across that he handled it mm-hmm. rather than her saying, yeah, let me think about it. You know, like, And that's kind of his character growth through the film is like you finally see him start to handle a situation that previously before he probably didn't. Yeah, and I get that. I get that that was like his character growth, and that's where the movie wanted him to go to like progress throughout mm-hmm. the film and the plot. I just don't know if it was conveyed well enough to me that their relationship was like that. And I don't know if it's my lack of understanding or if I just didn't catch it as well as you did, but I don't know if it was written in a way that was clear enough for me to gather that much from it. No, I for me it's just like I one of the things that I, you know, working with people all the time and coaching football and and, and the in the industry that i'm in like good thing not baseball (laughs) oh shit well i'm glad they didn't show i i couldn't remember if they had a thing with the video or not that they showed jasmine watched it with me and i was like oh boy well i told her i was like i'm interested to see what one you're more affected by and she kind of gave me a weird look and i was like not in a weird way or any i was like i'm just gonna see what one sticks with you because like we're about to watch a horror thriller and the whole idea behind that is that moments happen in those films that you remember Mm. you know versus cold in july where there's gonna be one event but it's gonna be monstrous and i just want to see like then that's it's gonna feel like it comes out of nowhere (laughs) it really does because they're like let's just put on the video it's like oh i don't want to watch some softcore porn or what the hell is this 
It's like, come on, Jim, just turn it off. You know, obviously you can't get it up. You know, they're just this woman can barely drive. Come on, man, turn it off. We don't need to watch that. And yeah, like, and then Bruh. Don Johnson says something that's like kind of haunting and gives you a little bit of a perspective of what they're like as characters for the rest of the movie. He says she doesn't look any older than sixteen. Yeah, which makes it like obviously what they do is like really fucked up anyway, but it doesn't make it any better that's sure as shit no like it's kind of like adds a whole new layer of context for it well it's like dude it's like bone tomahawk where he's you know i don't want to give anything away but you know the first and then yeah like, oh i can't get worse than that and then it does uh-huh that was this one where you're like oh jesus like oh my god you know and then and then all of a sudden they get that and they're doing they're tying her up and i'll be like oh fuck you yeah. know so we we watched it. Jans was like, "Oh no, oh no!" And she just was like staring at me. She was like, "Thanks." <laughs> <laughs> why did you make me watch this? Yeah, that's often something that I hear from Megan. Is why did you put me through this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, 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 it's not. I've never. It's never like, oh, I'm trying to ruin your eyes or anything like that, or ruin your mind. It's just one of those things. I was like, well, it's impacted me. So, uh, no. So, like I was saying with the relationship stuff, there's. I think. Sometimes there's films that come out that there is more to deal with the character's body language than what's actually being written on the like in the script mm-hmm. to be read off to the audience members. And I'm only theorizing. It's not like I sat there and I could tell you exactly what was going on, but that's I think subconsciously why I never that what her his wife always came off kind of as cold to me, but never like unloving or cheating or hateful. It was more of like. I run the show around here, so I've got to be the boss. And, yeah. you know. Oh, to me, it just felt off. But that was, like, one issue that I had. A lot of the stuff that I had issues with were more on the technical side. So, like, I wasn't too big on the way it was shot. I thought that in a cinematography perspective, it was just pretty simple and mm-hmm. straightforward. Like, it wasn't doing anything special. Normally, I like when they include more synth music in movies and this one i really didn't think it fit all that well at all like there were moments where like they're driving down in a pickup truck and they're going to some like rural countryside and they're playing like this music that sounds like it should be set on a spaceship or something like it's 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 very ill-fitting so my take on it is either you go with synth, you have to go 100% or you keep it out. Mm-hmm. You can't mix it up because it gives different tones. It's a very, the the, the music itself is a different tone than what you hear in, on the radio. Right. Yes. So if you mix up the 1950s country music that they kind of strewn in there with the synth of, the, you know, like that could have been 1980s or 2020s. Like they could have been like, this is like far out, man. And like, like Stranger Things play has, it's a synth. But the, and the, I get like it, the kind of, it fits with the whole, like this is set in the 1980s sort of thing. And, and I think that's kind of where they thought the through line was, but the setting and the way the characters are just doesn't match up here's with a, it. With synth, so like I'm gonna say with synth, it's kind of dark and mysterious, right? And it's mm-hmm. always there's an undertone of you're not, not really sure like what's coming next when that I like when it's playing. Not to say the music itself, I'd ask more of Gideon about it. Um, but they, it's not, it's not throughout the whole film, which is what irritated me. I, it's very inconsistent. I liked it when it was on, and then all of a sudden they took it out. 
And then I don't even know if they came back to it towards the end, maybe like when they were going down the road or in the. I don't remember, but the scene that it would have made the most sense in, and I you maybe you can tell me if you remember if they played it during it or not. I don't remember when they're at the end when they're at the mansion. Yeah, and that would have made the most sense, right? It would have been a very John Wick type synth moment. Yeah, and they and I don't remember if they did or didn't, but I remember they introduced it probably twenty minutes into the film. And then it's only there for like the second act, and then mm. they take it away. And I'm like, I don't vibe with that. I don't yeah. really like it when they. It's either you're all in or you're not. Like John Wick's all in, right? It reminds me. Yeah, it is. It's very consistent with the music and the right. type of music it uses. And I think that it, for the most part, especially in the fourth movie, it fits really well. Um, it reminds me of there's a scene in The Conjuring where it's before the kind of meat and potatoes of the movie where they're setting up for the investigation. Yeah. And it kind of does a panning shot through the entire house and it's playing, uh, this song from Ryan Gosling's band, dead man's bones in the room where you sleep. And it's kind of more of a lighthearted spooky song. That's a little more underground. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh shit, this movie's playing this song. That's awesome. It only plays it for like 30 seconds and then it never comes back to it again. Yeah. That's kind of what this movie reminded me of with the use of the music and the kind of music that it used. Yep. I agree with that. I, I was very disappointed that at the, there's a, there's a cool, the credit song was awesome, but for the most part, the sound, the soundtrack seemed a little off and I really wish they would have kept that. I, I personally think if they would have kept the synth going, it would have fit the 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 mood of the film very well. Mm-hmm. I really do because like you don't know what's going on and what next steps are happening. Well, and there's something too to kind of match up with. I think what they were going for, but kind of also failed at, is like the sort of nighttime spooky horror element of it, where you get scenes where Sam Shepard is in the bedroom and you only see him when like the lightning flashes and there's like some kind of cheesy moments like that where if the mm-hmm. music was consistent and it matched up with the rest of the tone yes i would have liked those choices yes. but because of the way that they were used and how choppy it felt to me exactly it, it, it didn't really make me feel good about it at all no it takes it takes away from it oh, oh i i'm not gonna say it takes away from it but it definitely it's more of like man that what they could have made that a lot better than what they did mm-hmm I um I wrote a few more notes down. Read them off, man. So, uh, do you want me to just read it in order? <laughs> Whatever you got. I mean, I'm here to talk. So I have child acting. Oh boy. Uh, how did the kid not wake up from the gunshot? That's yeah. also something I wrote. Uh, awful Michael C. Hall haircut. No, no, I <laughs> yeah. disagree with that a hundred percent. The very subjective thing. Yeah, you know? I think we'll it's, agree to disagree. I think it's very apropos to the time. That's I like your use of the word apropos yeah. there. <laughs> uh, I like it more than the, his haircut. Um, everybody talks either like a robot or fucking weirdos. I wrote. Uh, why is his wife such a bitch? Constant fucking music. Stock effect. Cow moo. I wrote when. Really? Uh, yeah, there was like. Oh, a, and he's like, he really is a pig farmer yeah yeah uh sam shepherd at the playground is goofy i almost forgot about that scene oh isn't he watching his kid or something like that yeah which for some reason like he goes straight from the cemetery to the playground right mm-hmm. and then he, he, he could have went there. to the house and then to the playground i mean there's there's he we're just, not he just like beat him there he's like sprinting the entire time he had a car i think it's like but... wet hot american summer in that scene where like they're running oh, at the yeah. same pace as the motorcycle yeah he's yeah he's trying to get back sherry yeah yeah <laughs> favorite part of the movie um 
Yeah, stock effect thunder wasn't the biggest thing, but I noted it down. Uh, one of the funniest things is uh, when the cops are there protecting Michael C. Hall's family, and Michael C. Hall decides to just get up, and, and he's just craving that glass of oh, milk. Oh, God, dude. Th- that glass of warm milk. He does it more than once, he, too. He does it two times. I thought that was, I'm like, I was like, oh. Like, it's like, why would you... This guy's always fucking drinking warm milk. Like, yeah. what is wrong? With I bet that? you, I bet you that's some sort of like character trait that is that pro- supposed to symbolize that he's kind of like meek and immature. I think and, something like he's like a little kid or something like that. Like, I don't know. I I, I don't know what the fuck because he just comes milk. across as a fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah, point. really. Well, I dude, he he gets in the fridge. I was like, oh my, you know, Fat Mac. Like, oh, what you getting there, Michael? You know, he just takes and out then the he milk. gets some milk out, and I was like. Oh, okay. Like maybe he's getting a bowl of cereal, pours it in the glass. It's like, hmm. And then he opens the microwave. I was like, oh no. <laughs> like literally, like Jasmine's staring at me because I'm I'm talking throughout this whole thing. And then he goes, and he puts it. I was like, oh, you fucking monster. Uh, Jesus, he's the villain of this movie right I, here. Seriously, between the fucking haircut and the warm milk. I looked at this him, guy's like, the antagonist. Who drinks warm milk? I was like, what? When was that ever a thing? Who gets up and drinks warm milk when there's a possibility of this guy coming at your family? It might be like a comfort thing to go back to some freud thing i don't know i couldn't i couldn't possibly tell you me laying in bed with my wife making sure she's okay is really bumming me out i gotta go get some he was not making sure he was like freaking out (laughs) like he was like i gotta go check everything i also got annoyed too that he like doesn't notice the water he gets in bed he's like wait a second Mm -hmm. did i hear something he's in the house also how shitty of a cop are you to be sitting out there and get sideswiped by now granted the guy probably is like oh it's michael c hall again but like come on yeah you know it's like you guys are supposed to be on high alert he's special he's ex special forces you'll be all right tim you you're gonna handle him all right right (laughs) um there's another one where it's after it's after Michael C. Hall saves Sam Shepard from the train tracks. Mm-hmm. And then he like kind of keeps him in his house for a while. And then they go to a restaurant and he makes a call. And then you find out later it's to Don Johnson. But then they cut to a scene where a kid's sitting in a booth and he's just chewing like so weird. It's like like I don't know. I'm gonna, that that might be a Kyle thing. That's right a very there. nitpicky yeah, thing. Yeah, that's a very nitpicky. It's very, very nitpicky. I'm guessing but I wrote it in my you're, notes. You're probably annoyed with the film at this point to where you're now like starting to henpeck it. I, I am getting to the point before, where like what is going on? Yes. What is what is, what am I what am I grasping towards here? Where is this leading? Yeah. And then it gets into the positives. So then I wrote down the dynamic gets better when it's the three of them. So the three of them being Don Johnson, Michael C. Hall, mm-hmm. and Sam Shepard. Jim Bob, Russell, and Dane. Like, it feels like a short film within a feature film that is, like, the quality of it and the, the content of it is ten times more interesting and better than what came before. Well, so, I think half the problem is is that the book is, it's the exact same thing. So, I, I'm guessing that in the book they do a little bit better of a job developing the relationship between Russell and Dane. Sam Shepard, Michael C. Hall. In this one, it's kind of just thrust onto us that they both are in this, like, let's figure this out together. Yeah. Because it... Like, you're it, supposed to believe that, oh, they're just not they're just not interested in hurting each other anymore? Well, you know, he does a good job, and he says, listen, now the cops are up to something. 
You know, mm-hmm. I, they told me this and you that. Like, we need to figure it out together. Because, and they do a good job with Michael C. Hall actually caring about the guy he killed. I think I'm a little bit more upset that they didn't fucking look into it at the end of the film. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can talk about that. Okay, because that for some reason I don't. Did you watch this on Pluto? Uh, I watched it on Tubi. So. I honestly don't... Which, fuck Tubi, because it was like... I didn't know it had ads, and it was like the audio and the video did not match up at all. Here's the problem that I have with it, and I got to figure out where I can, like, either that or I have to buy this movie, because I remember at the end of the film of the one I originally saw, they talked about who the guy was. Yeah, no, this one didn't... This one didn't touch on it at all. either, and I'm like, I don't know if, like... If there's a creative choice to take that out to cut down runtime or not, because I remember like Michael C. Hall getting back and they find out that this kid was like he was 19 and, you know, like wrong place, wrong time. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I could my memory could be way off of it because I did watch this in 2014. So, but yeah, I I know the book touches on it because that's a big that's a big thing in the book, and they present it as a big thing in this movie. And then yes. when you watch it and you don't find out who it was, it's I, like, Jesus Christ, that's a that's a fucking I, hole in the film. Maybe I'll YouTube like the ending of this and see if maybe there was like a different ending. Because I, I really swear, like I was like watching it, and he gets back, and he's laying in bed, and they do the side angle thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, his world's kind of just getting flipped. And I was like, he's going back to normal, hopefully. And and. Like he, you know, and I remember there being another five minutes at that thing where he goes back to the grave and he's reading off, you know, or someone's like, yep, it was so-and-so. And when it ended, I was like, no, like, I don't know. If that is in the movie, I'll give it credit. But the version I watched it, it no, mine was, was the same way gone. I didn't watch it either. And that's what I'm saying. My memory could be off. They, But I, I feel like that feels so childish or not childish, but like bad movie making if they don't touch on that at mm-hmm. the end because that should have been that's the that's the kicking off event there should be some closure with it yeah so i'll i will look into it and see how the movie ends unless you're doing it now but no i'm i'm looking the movie up on wikipedia because i didn't remember the director's name jim mickle yeah because i wanted to talk about him specifically oh boy um like I said, the movie gets better as it goes along, but still, like the the beginning of it and the way it's the way it's directed and how it's handled on a technical level, I wasn't a huge fan of. And it makes me wonder if a director like S. Craig Zoller would have been able to make this film more captivating for me with the way it would have been directed. Because oh, yeah. I really love the tone of his movies and the buildup that it has. Because he is able to do something similar with bone tomahawk where it's it starts out kind of like as a straightforward western but at the same time you're interested in where it's going have you seen dragged across concrete i have yeah mm-hmm. it's the same thing where it starts out as a specific type of movie and then it kind of flips your expectations a little bit of how it plays out mm-hmm. but it still consistently keeps you interested in it yeah whereas this movie it doesn't really do that for me yeah i i'm not gonna i i'm Yes, obviously there's two different opinions on this one. And I do agree. This thing does get dry at points because it's a very simple premise of I didn't kill your son. No, you didn't kill my son. Let's find out who killed your son. And 
because of or let's find out if your son is dead yeah whatever it is you know and that's like it's supposed to be a, enough and for me it was I, I i really i mean i enjoyed this thing all I, i've seen it three times now like i've enjoyed it every time i've seen it mm-hmm. um but i i'm not gonna lie there are slow moments in it and i do agree maybe a different director does a bit of a little bit better of a job building on the relationships with either script changes or different events that happen not necessarily that need dialogue yeah that or just like a lot of technical improvements too because a lot of what's preventing me from enjoying this movie more than i would like to is just you know the music choices the editing the 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 sound design like just just different things and different choices that kind of i've heard this whole tubi thing now so the sound design i'm gonna hold off on taking your opinion with that one the other two i do agree uh but yeah just things about it that kind of it makes it feel a little cheaper than Mm -hmm. than i would have liked this thing i don't even think i this thing got made for let's see i think it was very cheap uh it was well. I can't even. I can't even see the budget. It, on oh no! It doesn't have one. It, it grossed opening week was forty k, and then over at forty five hundred dollars worldwide, one point five mil. So, if I had to guess, this thing was maybe made for a million bucks. Probably. And I think this is what got this guy his next film, because he does have another film that came out that I actually recognize. Um, Jim Mickles' next film, and this is what like this is. I think what did him in because oh no oh I mean it and it yeah it was because I remember looking I was like oh I remember hearing about that film and then uh he's a writer I don't even and he doesn't even write this uh he in the in the shadow of the moon a Netflix movie okay so Netflix had this out this was like 2020 he I developed think. a Netflix series called Sweet Tooth which I remember seeing like posters for yeah he's, he's kind of gone to the streaming side and I think he did uh in the shadow of the moon and it probably didn't get enough movie views I had it on one time and I watched all of 20 minutes and turned it off or fell asleep I was like, this movie's really bad yeah um so uh yeah, I mean, he he got a shot at it. I do agree. I mean, it's this is definitely like you. We actually kind of the a little bit of how we grouped them together is really probably like early filmmakers. Like this was Jim Mickles' what first movie, second movie, and then he had the um, Australian Boys, the YouTubers, Chris and who's that was their first movie. Oh, the talk to me. Yeah. Oh, Danny and Michael Philippow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We yeah, are sometimes what we eat. you got to take a chance on people. Sometimes you got to give them their shot. Interesting. Oh, he's got a. We are what we eat. Rated R, five point nine. Oh, Wyatt Russell's in it. Oh, nice. Yeah, they so must I, uh, really like each other. Anyways, yeah. No, there, there, there's. I, 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 I guess I, I really like the, uh, the setting, the, the time, the era, and mm. this, and being in, in West Texas or in East Texas, I'm guessing they're East Texas because I'm gonna tell you right now, I, I, I know Texas a lot better now. Dallas to Houston is about three hours, mm. right? You go from Dallas to like Lubbock, that's five hours. Lubbock to Houston's probably ten hours. Like Texas is so massive, and they never. I think Huntsville is where they. I think they might have said they're at, which Huntsville is on the north side, I believe, of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like that area, you know. So the environment to me is rich, but yeah, some of the it feels more interesting to me as it goes along, and that it u- utilizes it very well. Because up until like 
mm-hmm. later part of the movie you don't get a whole lot of variation in in locations and like no. kind of settings a little bit of a small town with his like you know and you get his house yeah and then out in the woods a little bit about you know with the rain coming down and then we get a little bit of the railroad tracks and we get to it just feel it felt like we were in 1980s watching these guys go from town to town I really, and I think this is probably one of my favorite parts of the movie and why when it gets to this point, it starts getting good for me is the dynamic between the three lead characters. Mm -hmm. And even though it kind of feels a little tropey because you've got Don Johnson, who's like the comedic relief character. He's like very outlandish and kind of out there, but he has some good quips. You got Michael C. Hall, who's like the more meek, like grounded character who had doesn't really do anything like this ever. Right. And then you've got the hard ass, like doesn't really like to talk to anybody, like keeps to himself, but is a fucking force to be reckoned with Sam Shepard. Yep. Like it's a little tropey, but their acting and their chemistry is enough for me to get behind it. It felt like a, yeah, like the odd bunch. It is the odd bunch. And I really like that the movie goes that direction with it Mm -hmm. into the seedy territory of, of Wyatt Russell's character. Yeah. And I, I like how that plays out. There's almost also like kind of a tragic element to it. Cause it's a father going to kill his son because he finds out that his son's a big piece of shit. Yeah. (laughs) Making snuff films. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so what did you so I've been talking about how much I like the later half of this and I'm assuming you also oh, really dude, like it too. I'm, I'm was there anything that we haven't touched on yet that like you want to talk about in terms no, of like the later half this of is, it? You know, in the late uh, really the the chemistry between them is good throughout. I mean throughout. Like you don't really get it until Don Johnson enters the scene, right? Which mm-hmm. is Right about when he makes a phone call at the diner, and then they meet. They it's I, literally like halfway through the movie. <laughs> yeah, like he walks into the store and is like, "Hey, I got a picture. You think he's he playing this? He's playing music from his car. Yeah, with the door open as he's inside the shop. Yeah, I didn't get that part. Like, and I was like, that. There are things that take me out of this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of them. Yeah, who does that? I get, I get it's 1980s, but like, I've they never... wanted to show him as like this outlandish character. Like, who is this guy? Yeah, but what I kind of guy you know, would you do said this? he's like out there guy and I'm like he he almost felt the most logical out of all three of them like they like they get to the house and Sam Shepard's like about to get up and he puts a gun to his head and he's like nah, I told you we're getting a plan before this we're doing this right he goes yeah I agree with that Jim now take that gun out of my ear you know <laughs> mm. so like Don Johnson's the one that kind of felt the most like trustworthy out of all of them you know, I guess when I say outlandish, I mean just like he has a persona, he, eccentric. Him, right? yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, get yeah. that now. Yes, and he and that is that's like he goes in there and then he looks at the chick or whatever and he makes some quip at her and she like melts in his hands and he just like winks and smiles, you know, and then mm. he goes back to talk. I'm like, dude, this dude's like fucking sick. Yeah, so he's eccentric. Um, no, I, I no, I don't really have much. I mean, I. This movie is a very... Uh, I think it's one of the ones that I always view it as that kind of got a little... Not swept under the rug. I just think it's got a very interesting... There's a very interesting subject matter. Uh, very interesting scene that happens that probably sticks with people. And then the last 30 minutes of this film is like really fun to me. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, It is very fun. And I yeah. enjoy where it goes. And it just feels very pulpy, too. Mm-hmm. Like the, I think that's where a lot of the effects shine. And a lot of the technical aspects work really well. Mm-hmm. Is like the blood splatters and like the way they handle the way of the shooting scenes. Yes. And, and how kind of claustrophobic it is. And, and 
it's even like shot pretty decently okay too like just from the perspectives of the characters walking through and kind of like sneaking through the mansion yeah like it's literally like a fun house like you're going through and you don't know if you're gonna see a mirror or another person walk at you yeah it's like almost like a maze type of thing where you don't know what's gonna be around the corner and you have no idea how many dudes are gonna be there yeah don't know what's gonna happen like that's where the movie gets me invested the most and it sucks me in and i'm like god damn why couldn't the rest of the movie be like this I, yeah i do agree i think it's kind of hard i do i i really do think that there's two tones in this thing and that's what to me makes it good is that because if you had the same tone throughout and that's kind of the goal of what they wanted to do with it because i was reading about the director and like the goal that he had in mind with this film of creating two different genres within the movie like he clearly wanted to do that and that's something that he set up for but i don't think it was executed very well i it's very like i think it's just that first half is just difficult because you got to do the cat mouse and you also have to set up like you have to believe that russell wants to go meet his son Mm -hmm. and that's kind of hard when he's trying to kill michael c hall you know what i'm saying like there's 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 a lot of conflicting things that happen that really He's trying to set up tension where, like, I think we talked about and talked to me, un- unneeded or um, unwarranted, you know? Unnecessary, yeah. Yeah, like, they just didn't need to, if he really wanted to meet a son, there could have been more tension with them having conversations. Like, imagine instead of him being in his house, sneak up trying to kill him. it's almost like Sam Shepard just becomes, like, a Jason Voorhees figure, where he's not even really a character. He's just a force to be reckoned with. And that's, I think they were trying, that's like, they were, that's that's un- unnecessary tension like yeah that's why i don't really think that was warranted and that they didn't they didn't need to have that think like think about them going to a diner and michael c hall is like with his family mm-hmm. and he sits down with michael c hall and like yeah. he's like looking at him and he's like i know we're in a public place he can't kill me but like also my family's in danger i want them out of here and then he's he's like, give me a second. Hey, come here, come here. You know, I want you to take Jordan home. I'll be there in a second. I'll give you a call when you can come pick me up. Okay. And then he comes back and he just sits down. And he goes, I didn't kill your son. And then you know, Sam Shepard. Well, I don't, I don't really. You know, I never really knew him. And then they kind of get into that. And then they're playing like some of that ominous music. Yeah. And they're just having a conversation about like what Sam Shepard's like intentions here. Like, is he just got out of jail? Is he really trying to find his son or is he like really pissed off? And like, there's comments that would allude to him wanting to kill Michael C. All, but at the same token, like, I just, you know, like that would have been better to me than the, I completely agree. Like give these characters a dialogue, make him a character instead of just waiting until the halfway point of the movie where you decide to give them some kind of mm-hmm. interesting dynamic. Yeah. And give us a reason to be invested in it. That like, would have got me. I would have been like, because they have a little bit of it. Like the graveyard scene, I love. That's like the only thing you get up until. And that was, like, tell me that was good, right? I loved it. I, like, he just walks up. Like, he's sitting there and it's like, well, you know, dang, what are you doing? And all of a sudden he goes, hey, I heard you're the boy, the guy that killed my son. You know, and then I, <laughs> or whatever it is. Hey there, partner. Yeah. I heard you shot my boy. Well, however it goes, you know, and like th- there is tension there. And that is like, that is warranted. That is necessary. Like, you're like, dude, he just came out and you don't know the relationship he has with his boy. So that, for all we know, Freddie could have visited him every week in prison, mm-hmm. got to a point in his life where he's like, I need to get some money. And now Michael Seall kills him, you know, whether, it, you know, in self-defense. However you want to view it, you know, the guy was on his property, but there's a lot, there's conflicting emotions going on and you don't know, you know, and then like 
then like kind of string it along, you know, or now have Michael C. Hall questioning the relationship with the dad and the son, and maybe Russell isn't a bad guy. So when he sees him out in the alley, it gives him a real reason to be like, I need to know more about Russell and what's going on. Because if I did kill his kid, you know, like we need to have a little bit of our own kind of closure here. Or if I didn't and it's not his kid, which he thinks it isn't, you know, I need to get him to see this because he'll want to find him now. So, yeah, something, something to make me yes. more interested in what the, was going the on. First half, I do agree. That, that first half really is slow. Uh, there's not a lot of dialogue, and a lot of the dialogue feels plastic. It's very plastic. And it feels like they're really just like trying to get the first 45 minutes out of the film out of the way to get to that. Mm-hmm. Get to Don Johnson walking into the framer shop. Because as soon as he enters the picture, it livens up. Yeah. You know. Uh, was there anything else we wanted to touch on with cold in july anything we didn't mention that you want to bring up um no i don't think so i think we touched on it i mean this is a very very simple film um you know it's it it really i mean it's just you know that's about a dad wanting to find his son yeah you know and then it becomes a little bit more (laughs) it's a little weird a little weird (laughs) a little interesting and i like where what do you think of the video store scene uh i was (laughs) <laughs> I I liked what it went for. I was a little annoyed that Michael C. Hall was standing there kind of staring at him as long as he was. It's Thank like, you. okay, Same could here. you not act a little more inconspicuous? Not only that, he was there to find the exits and side doors. And then and he came back staring. and he was like, uh, they close at 11. Yeah. <laughs> so like, that was it. It's like, okay, you didn't tell him how many exits or if there were cameras. That's or what I was saying. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, you didn't properly survey the joint, but okay. I also like Wyatt Russell on that. <laughs> I mm. thought it was very ironic that the guy's like using bigotry language, derogatory, you know, racial slurs. Mm-hmm. And then Wyatt goes, now, hey, Tim, I told you, I don't like you using that language in here. Yeah. Now, please, with the paying customer, when, would like, you mind being polite? And if you're going to work, you know, like I was like, that is fucking funny after what, what you've just seen. <laughs> after we watched him beat an underage immigrant girl to death yeah. <laughs> with a baseball bat. Well, we don't watch it. We hear it just so everyone knows. I'm getting real descriptive. Um <laughs> So I guess I can go into my rating first. Yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna. Yeah, go ahead. You're, uh, ready. you're bracing yourself. Yeah. This is a six out of ten. Called it. That's I good. really like where it eventually got to, but I don't think the first half was investing enough for me to get behind it in terms of like a lot of the technical stuff that was going on, uh, the editing, the music choices, the cinematography. It just wasn't reeling me in. Mm-hmm. And obviously the character chemistry later and where the story went to eventually really did grasp me. But I think if they had a director behind it like S. Craig Zoller or like Jeremy Saunier or someone who could like consistently keep See, that's those a, technical elements yes. elevated to where it would keep me interested, then I would have really enjoyed something like this. But I can't I can't give it a pass for its faults. I gotta I gotta point them out and that's pretty much where I feel about it. Mm. Not a bad movie by any means. It's got a lot of things good going for it, but at the same time, riddled with issues. Mm-hmm. So, this is a ten out of ten for me. Damn, we're going to Mac Ten, dude. I love that the film is a little bit of a walk of life at the beginning. Uh, I do think it's cartoony in a sense at the beginning. Talk about the the character developments a little bit, but you know, like I I, I get past some of that stuff just with. Kind of what you pick up on with 
some of the relationships happening without the dialogue going on and where Dane sits. Uh, I do agree to some extent with the director. Um, Mickle seems like he had a great idea. I don't want Zoller, now that I think about it, or Sony doing it because I like the two tones that happens. I would much rather have, though, that dark and ominous feeling at the beginning be um, uh, written in a sense with the characters in mind. A little more fine-tuned. Yes, agreed. And I think those two guys... Oh, you know, a little bit. I, I guess Zoller... Because you can see the pieces of it. You can see oh, yeah. where he wanted to, it all to fit, like a puzzle, but you just couldn't really put it together that way. That's well. why the book kind of makes me wonder how it is, because like, that first part is very cartoony and very uh, novella-like, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just turned out a 350-page 300 story. Uh, prison dad has a kid making snuff films that we got to figure out if he wants to kill him or not because he's never met him. Uh, just write it up. And like you're like, also, we're going to sell it for $6 at you know every freaking plums in town, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the, remember going through that and you'd see those really cheap books yeah. that just someone would like just write millions of them, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that's kind of how it feels. And like, I'm like, it's a very rich story and there is a lot of potential behind it. Now, I don't knock it on this. Obviously, I love the story. So, whether or not it's done in some sort of cartoony way, the guy went for it i guess because it's a little cartoony to me the technical faults at the beginning i don't find too hard of a time with because it fits into that kind of what we're getting you know if this is the guy is a jason figure we're gonna have the really weird lightning flashes and it just fits into a little bit of what you kind of think about that film and but starkly contrasted against the second half that's when you're like, fuck, they missed it. Because mm-hmm. that second half is really well done. And it's still Mickle. Oh, you'd assume Mickle that did it. He brings in some guy. doesn't give him credit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, you're going to give me my next fucking film. Yeah. Um, some ghost director. He's just watching the first half. Like, I fucked this up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, 10 out of 10. And I, I, I think this is a this is a film that uh, there are some dark moments in it um, that it really elevates the, the stakes. And I think I agree. Yeah, and in, in in a sense that it's well needed, but you also wonder if that was kind of the direction, uh, the vision of the director that he kept it that slow because when you get to that point, it is like you're going up shivering timbers, and you're like, "This is taking forever." And all of a sudden, you look over and you're 300 feet in the air, and you're like, "Oh fuck, we got to go down." I love the uh, Michigan's adventure analogies that we keep <laughs> coming Everyone back to. Everyone that listens, if you are out of state, please, please, I beg you for our ads and money to look up <laughs> Michigan Adventures. We'll sell out. <laughs> yeah. And then let them know who we are so when I talk to them, they agree because we have a following. So they have a heads up so they're not <laughs> blindsided when me yeah. and Max show up and we're like, hey, guess who we are? Yeah, and then they understand that we're using roller coasters. They're roller coasters as analogies, and we can sell. For good movies. Yeah. <laughs> well, for, uh, I think this is a good film. <laughs> I mean, Six you, out of ten. You gave it a it. ten out of ten. Dude, I really, I'm telling you, the sto- I, I really just like the story behind it, and I agree. If anything, I'd probably bump it down to a nine. I'm going to leave it at a ten because I had it ranked at a ten. I had the same problem the first time I saw it. There is moments where I'm yawning, but I feel like it's done purposefully. Now, we are saying that, technically speaking, not the best, and I'm like thinking about it now. I'm like, yeah, it still fits in my head what I kind of had envisioned, but Anyways, I would recommend this film to people to watch. And I think it, it would definitely, it opens up conversations at, at dinner parties, not with your family, 
but with friends yeah with friends that hopefully you don't make snuff films with yeah like that aren't like man i really love that film especially when i saw that video and you gotta be like okay what what uh <laughs> like what kind of what kind of theme park would the snuff films be would that be action park no that does <laughs> carnies oh. that don't go through the old-fashioned days no yeah car carnival rides that avoid uh the health and say osha yeah you know you're like when was the last time health this and safety was, yeah inspected and you're like and they're like yeah, it's, I don't think this it's bolt's good. supposed to be rusted this much on yeah. the uh, zipper here. Like when they're going through, and you can just see them kind of like it's like if if any more weight gets on that, is that tipping yeah. over? You it's know? like oh, why are all the patrons from this ride coming off with headaches afterwards? It's yeah. like hey, you know, they just hate too much. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's the case, man. Um, so yeah, cool. That was our conversation on cold in July. Speaking of July, oh. uh, July is a month, and every so often, uh, two times in the month, we release a podcast episode, and for those podcast episodes, I put out uh, an engagement thing for the audience. Sometimes it's a question for the audience, and that's what we have. Nice. Nice pivot. Seamless. Yes. That was really well done. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> We're not going to use that clip when we talk to Michigan Adventures. No. <laughs> no. We are excluding that. Only the best. Only the best. Only the best, which and is our Kill Michigan Bill Adventures episode. Adventures is only the best if you check them out Monday through Friday. Exactly. <laughs> A seasonal park. Do not expect to get there in the wintertime. All right. So our question for the audience was, what's a movie or movies you refuse to watch and why? Ooh. And we got some answers. We did. And there's some that I'm surprised were excluded, but we can talk about those. Okay. Uh, the first one comes from Kalen, who says... Sausage Party. Don't really have to go into details why. You know why. Sausage Party. Mm -hmm. The Seth Rogen movie? Yeah, the like animated f anthropomorphic food. Yeah, that where, is like, the existential whole, crisis. The whole gist of it is that yeah, like existentialism they're, or... they're tired of dying because the humans keep eating it. them. Yeah. I haven't seen it either. I, like, anthropomorphic Obviously, food. it's a good answer if... Uh, if we haven't seen it i uh, so would I, that be one you refuse to watch though no i'd watch i just i i a lot of times what happens is um i don't i don't go see movies in the theaters uh, yeah. which is kind of odd i do like them like when they come out so unless i make you watch it in the theater true i don't i can't think of the last like nope i think it was the last time i was like i really want to go see this in theaters um Mm -hmm. There are times that movies grab my attention. Like Mich Oppenheimer, I was going to see regardless. Yeah. Barbie was one that I'm very happy that you said go check out, but I would have waited on that one. Um, the problem that happens, though, sometimes is that when you wait that long, things come out. You hear people talk about it, and sometimes you know there's a little bit of controversy that gets stirred, and if it doesn't grab your attention... It kind of turns you off from watching the film because it's like I don't need to be a part of like yeah be that debate. Um, and I also heard it's not that funny. So and that's the thing that I was going to bring up too is that if you know what type of movie it's going to be and you know it's not going to be your thing that you'll enjoy, yeah, then why would you even put yourself through it unless you had like some obligation to or like maybe you're with your friends and they're all like hey let's go watch sausage party and not do anything else and you're like all right well i guess i'll go join you guys maybe they pay for your ticket if they're nice friends and good friends and they love you and care about you i don't know yeah 
Maybe they're not, but <laughs> maybe they make you pay for theirs. Maybe yeah, maybe they make you buy all theirs because they're they're watching sausage party because they're your friends because and they, they like to hang out with you and you want to keep being their friends, so yeah. you gotta buy their tickets. Yeah, and oh. their drinks and beverages. Yeah, and you forget to use your membership card, so yeah. you don't get the VIP points. And you gotta drive them in your car. Yeah. So that everything goes smoothly. And then you talk about them paying for gas, and they say they don't believe in the capitalist system, so they're not going to pay for gas when they could ride their bikes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I can definitely see if you're like tired of that sort of juvenile slapstick comedy that's rated r and I, it's like the same stuff over and over again i think they're going for like a heavy like i think they're going for a heavy subject matter and, and they're trying to do it in a very funny seth rogan way and when someone comes up and says that comedy isn't that comedic you're like don't need to see it then yeah <laughs> like it's a one trick pony and if that fucking pony doesn't do the trick i'm not wasting money yeah you know my thoughts exactly our next one Comes from Joanne. Very different type of answer, but okay. interesting. Dune, the first one, 1982. Any movie that gives you a definition sheet when you buy a ticket, please, how are you supposed to read that in a dark theater? That I completely understand. That is funny. Yeah. Because um, my dad, I don't know if he has it or if he gave it to me. I'll have to find out. But he has still the original definition sheet that he got when he first went to see that movie in nineteen eighty two. Right? Uh, uh David Lynch. Lynch. Yeah. That's right. Which is funny because that's the only David Lynch movie I've seen. <laughs> out of what? <laughs> out of all of them. I know. Jesus Kyle. It's such a funny fact that I like to you tell call people. yourself a Michigan adventure snob. <sighs> We're going through this again, huh? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Just because I like to ride Funnel of Fear over and over again yeah, right. <laughs> doesn't mean I need to go on the zigzag, all is right? That the, is that funny games compared to Cold in July? I, I, you know, we haven't laid out a definition sheet yet yeah. for <laughs> yeah, right. Michigan's Adventure, but I'll tell you what, if you get a definition sheet when you go see Dune, the oh, original one, boom, might boom. not be the best thing. He's fucking back. I'm back. <laughs> that was an actual seamless yeah, that transition was there. Actual, yeah. yeah, that's the clip that we sent to them yes. so that we can get sponsored. <laughs> that was... Wow. <laughs> That was fucking chaotic. Uh, for those who want to know what happened, Mac in a frenzy took his headphones off and his glasses fell off his face. No, that was me signaling that we're turning this thing off and we're going to Michigan Adventures right now oh. to give him oh, to yeah. give the audio feed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so you got you've got this thing. I don't. Why isn't it framed? Could you get it from him? And we could I don't know if I a, have it myself or if my dad has. Well, it, I, that's but. what I'm saying. It's a family heirloom at this point. I know. I could d- you get that from him and put it in a movie frame i or a poster frame. i don't know if it's big enough it could be like one of those small things or i think it might you know what it might just be like a, an eight inch by like 11 and a half standard that piece of paper fits into that fits into frames so that, i could some, find a frame for that i'm telling you that that would be a nice little that's nice a, little that trinket. is a fuck yeah that could go in the podcast room we're here it could go next to the two houses from um the weird florence Pugh movie <laughs> don't worry darling yeah 
Oh, I don't want to think about that movie when I look at that picture. I no, really like I'll that take picture. it out, erase it. Just I didn't say it. All right. That was just a bad joke, Kyle. I'm gonna cut that. It's a really bad joke. Cut that. That's not going to Michigan's Adventure. And cut it out of cut it out. We'll do it in post. We'll take it out of the pot. So do it in post, and they don't need to hear that. Yeah, one. I'll tell my editor about it, which is me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Dune. Uh, was there anything else we wanted to talk about with that choice? Haven't seen it. I don't, no, that's a great one. That's a really fun. That, that's a that is a good one. So wait, hold on. Can you read off the question again? Um, so the question was, what's a movie or movies you refuse to watch like, and why? Like, so you say like again, right? Are you saying it like, could be again? It could be like never ever. Se- so your mom hasn't seen Dune. I think she did, but my dad dragged her to see it and Got she it. just didn't like it at all. So yes. now she just never wants to watch it again. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was trying to like figure out. I was like, all right, have we seen these movies or haven't we? Because it sounded like ones that you just like, I'm not going to. Definition she decide. It's just a shitty movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Agreed. just throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You yeah. know what? You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, our next answer comes from Levi. Oh, let's go, Levi. Special guest Levi, who we had on the show. Uh, Marley and me. And he has more (laughs) that he says in this comment, but I don't want to say anymore because, uh, you know, it could potential give away what happens in the film. Oh, yeah. So, but I understand his answer. Sure. Because a subject matter like that, when you're very emotional about it Mm. and you're invested and you like those things. Yes. It's like we're beating around the bush, but anybody who like knows about Marley and me can yeah. probably piece together what I'm talking. Well, you don't about. have to even have to piece it together because these are films where we're saying don't watch or refuse to watch again. True. Oh, man. Or maybe you should watch it just so you can feel that because sometimes feel movies to not watch it again. Well, no, like sometimes movies give you a type of feeling that mm-hmm. you know it might not be a pleasant feeling. Like oh, being like scared's not pleasant. Watching a snuff film. I mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that carnival in, ride. In movies. In movies. Uh, okay. <laughs> nice save. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, sometimes you yeah. want to experience something sad because it, it reminds you of those feelings. And maybe it makes you think about your own experiences with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Taking you back. Makes you yeah. feel human. Yes. Makes you feel alive. Yeah. Gives you that purpose. But I can understand why people would want to avoid it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, there are, uh, that's Gleason right there. Oh, I can't, I'm going to fucking assign you to watch Gleason with Megan. Okay. That will be next you, time I get. You assign Gleason to me, I'll assign Dear Zachary to you. How about that? Yeah, that, yeah, that'd be interesting. That would be interesting. Because I've be, seen Dear Zachary. And, and I've seen Gleason. Yeah. We'll see which one destroys the other the yeah, most. Yeah, I don't know. The other problem, too, is like then you find out, like, if like we come back and like, I was laughing the whole time, I'm like, hey. <laughs> hey, what the fuck yeah, is wrong with you? Like, are, okay, I thought we were talking about being human. Hey, this is my last episode of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not. No, but you could do the same with me. I, I, I watched your Zachary, and for some reason, I'm like, yeah, I agreed with that person. And like, it kind of made sense to me. And you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say about snuff films? You're like, for some reason, it was arousing. I'm like, all right. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm turning the podcast off. Yeah. Up. Hey, Mac, we'll meet uh, again at Michigan Adventures. Yeah. yeah. Where I will drown you. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking about putting out bad dogs. Yeah. Uh, we got one more answer. Okay. But the person who gave the answer is here. And I figured, oh, you're gonna. Why not just have them jump in to give their answer instead of having Do me read they it for them? Know that answer? Are getting? Oh, they dressed? have it ready. 
Oh, they're ready? They're ready. All right. Yeah, do it. So, we have, uh, you know, this just in, my girlfriend, Megan. Hello. <laughs> so, we were talking about films that you absolutely refuse to watch, and you gave an answer. Oh, my God. And... Do you know what it is? Do you have uh, yeah, a I know what it is. <laughs> I can't believe he's putting you through this again. I know. He loves to torment me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. It I is funny, love too, to have a dialogue. the tone of this film, the element, is being portrayed right now. I know. It's torture. No, maybe not, though. She might want to be on here, too. I'm saying I do talk feel very like relive the film. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, do we want to mention what movie this is? <laughs> yes. Uh, so, the movie that I refuse to watch is Funny Games. Mm. Why? Mm. Well, <clears throat> it is a miserable movie. It really makes me just feel totally awful. Um, from the very first scene, I think Jasmine kind of had similar feelings oh, with God, the yeah. eggs. Um, I think you... I don't know if it's the same for men watching the movie but for women when you see that you're immediately like no this is wrong no, no one would react in this way uncomfortable. like tim roth gets his leg chopped off or something i mean that's yeah it potential just... light spoilers for funny games oh, uh sorry no it's okay uh what do you mean, like, that's yeah you're not gonna anyways anyways <laughs> yeah this is a movie that i so the first time i watched it i watched it with megan and we had completely different uh, perspectives on it and opinions on how we yeah, felt about she it. She had a giant frowny face and you had a giant smiley face. That I is did. exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> if, that was a te- if it was an emoji and a text message, I think that would sum it up. Yeah. And we spent the next probably three and a half hours discussing how we felt about it and just like trying to, trying to understand the other person's perspective. And... Yeah why they wouldn't like it versus why they would like it how'd that go how'd that go for you i only um, heard one i think perspective. we i think we disturbed some of the people in teddy spaghetti's with R. our discussion you guys did that in there yeah. oh yeah i <laughs> think they thought Christ. we were a very can, unhappy couple. it continued from this house uh, into my car driving to teddy spaghetti's and then in teddy spaghetti's pretty much the entire time mm. that's how long the conversation went and then a little bit after that too and I think we see the same things in it. He just loves those things, and I hate those things. What it does for the the so, director does to the audience, yeah, right. and exactly like, invo- like invoking those reactions versus invoking those reactions. So the movie, right. so the movie is is a very subversive, almost kind of satirical take on the horror thriller genre, and it does things that it it wouldn't normally do if it was just a straightforward horror thriller film. Like it involves the audience in some way. I don't know if it's satirical. It makes you feel it kind of is with, and especially when you read about the director and his goals with the movie, because he specifically made the Austrian version with audiences in America in mind Yeah, because it's because he was tired about, he he wanted to kind of put a mirror up and say like, this is the kind of movie you want to watch. Well, I will show you how the situation would actually make you feel. And, it makes you feel horrible and it makes you feel like shit, but it presents it in a way that's still very well done and still really well made within its own genre. And I think it's one of those movies where it's kind of like hot fuzz for me, where it takes that premise and it takes that type of genre and it sort of pokes 
fun at it in a way, but it also does it really well. Like sure. how, how Hot Fuzz does with the buddy cop sort of movie, this movie does with the horror thriller genre. That's my perspective. Yeah, of I was it about anyway. to say I got I got yeah, I got a different one on it. I don't necessarily hate it, but I'm not I don't necessarily love it. So You're kinda in the middle. No, I, dude, I've seen this film now three or four times, so mm. I've, I've, you know, it I've, quickly became one of my favorites. <laughs> I watched, uh, yeah. So no, this isn't. This is. I, I don't satirical in a sense, but I also think that he had a goal in mind, and it's messing with the audience members. And I think that's where you get the the uncomfortableness. You know, it's it's very uncomfortable, right? And that's what like that sort of satire. Like, to me, satire kind of makes it muddles its way in with parody you know mm-hmm. and this it's not necessarily a satire or par- I it, to some extent because i do agree to some extent it is but i also feel like that he had a goal in mind that was i don't think bit, it's just satire i think I, it's obviously more than that right that's what i'm saying to me that his i think that's masked with that satire you know it's got image. a coat of paint on there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, but he does it effectively, and that's why I appreciate it. I always say too, you know, it's I, I, it did make me. It made Jasmine really uncomfortable. It makes me always like skin creep and crawl, and it, it makes you question and do some introspection on how would you handle the situation up to some extent, and mm-hmm. really, at what point are we too polite and cordial versus you know, and at what point has it gone too far? Um, you know, versus it's still a really well-made movie, so you have to give it its respect, at least for me. You know, mm-hmm. and I—that's where I. It once again, it is a movie, and he, these, not all, all the time. Directors go out and hit the goal in mind. Yeah, Michael think, Haneke. Yeah, I think he hit the goal with this one. So, uh, and I, you gotta like it. It's it. Yeah, yeah. So or uh, not like it. <laughs> I think that's a big thing with you too. Is that like you said before? You recognize the good qualities of it, but the way it makes you feel you just can't get past yeah i i guess i really don't need that kind of commentary of like oh you know some rich looking white guys can pull one over on you like we all know that and you know i i don't like the feeling of like i why would you do that i wouldn't do that Mm -hmm. like every single turn it it makes you like it's really hard to feel sympathy for the victims because it's like it's so obviously you're doing the wrong things like you're doing everything wrong and not, not even trying to like fight for your life is what it felt like so i was like well i don't yeah. even want to watch this anymore i don't know if i'd say like doing it wrong i think there's definitely i think the the problem that you have with it is that there are moments when you realize that it's a bigger problem than what's being presented Right, and you're sitting there thinking because you can see where it's going, but like in the same lens, like, and obviously I don't live in the hoity-toity boathouse or anything like that, but like, if you had someone stop by, you know, and they were trying to be cordial and polite about things, and you've invited them into your home, like, at what point do you recognize and say, "I need to get them out," and at what point do you, I will take violent action to get you out, you know, like yeah. that's kind of. That's always a problem that that's why it made me uncomfortable because like at some point you really got to step up and have some courage and like yeah it's kind of tough to just have that right on the scene and be like this isn't a good thing going on yeah you know and i mean some context on me too i'm a big fan of true crime so like i the, that's 
something that's kind of primed in my mind where it's like, no, like, why are yeah. you doing these things? And um, another podcast that I'm a big fan of is My Favorite Murder. And one of their taglines is, I won't curse on the podcast, but F politeness, basically, where it's like, oh, you don't, can curse. You can curse. Well, yeah. You know, Balls, they, piss, ass, damn, like, shit. You don't. Kyle. It's not I'm worth sorry. your life to be nice to somebody. Like, think about Ted Bundy. Like, yes. you're not going to. You don't want to. Yeah. I don't know how to phrase it. Like, make yourself feel uncomfortable <laughs> by being like, mm, I guess I can help you with that. I'll give you another egg. Okay, I'll give you another egg. Just because it's like yeah. what we're taught to do when it's very clearly a situation that you don't want to be in. And you can see that. And you can see on her face that she knows it's a situation that she shouldn't be in. But she's still doing it anyway for what? Yep. Yeah. Agreed. So. Yeah. yeah, I can't really disagree with your perspective because it's entirely just how you feel about it and just the subject matter alone, you not being a fan of it, I get it. It's the same reason why I don't watch movies like uh, Vile or like torture porn, basically, mm-hmm. because no matter how well done or how well like made... Like Hostel, are you saying? Or like something like that, maybe. Great Inferno? I haven't seen those movies, like... No, obviously they're that. not my thing it's okay you don't need to but um it's the same reason that i wouldn't see those even if they're like well made and even if the intent is there <laughs> i i would not be interested in watching those movies because it just I, I i don't like how they make me feel and i absolutely get where you're coming from with your perspective on it like i get it yeah now when you do a podcast have him come on and talk about forcing him to watch Green Inferno right. and talk about why he didn't like it and how it made him feel. I have yeah. a feeling that she'll have similar feelings with me about movies like that. I mean, I have no idea what this movie is, so I can't really provide Green any Infer- content. Uh, Eli Roth, um, it's loosely based on Rockefeller's kid that went to... Uh, uh, was Rockefeller, what's his first name? The oil tycoon. Is it J.D.? J.D. Rockefeller, maybe. Maybe. His, his great-grandson inherited a bunch of money so he was going to uh different colonies you know in in uh south america i want to say or maybe on islands just uh you know ones that um in terms of uh anthrop not anthropology um anyways to see their culture and see how they operate the communication you know their whole society Yeah, that's anthropology anthropology right and well he went to one island and never came back so it's assumed that he was killed and eaten so Eli Roth loosely base a movie on that event, and it is Eli Roth uh, having four or five like missionaries or anthropologists go to a cannibalistic society and pissing them off. So imagine how I watched that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Big yikes. Also not my cup of tea, so, you know. Oh, does Siri want to join the podcast? I think so. My watch likes to... Go off Hop all the on time. Yeah. Who cares? Hey, we'll, we'll get, get more Siri. people in there. Why Siri, not? what ones you never want to watch again? Yeah. Yeah. Funny games. <laughs> no. Yeah. I shut the podcast off right yeah. there. You yeah. guys have talked about it so much and how much she doesn't like it. Siri remembers it. I know. It's like a meme in our relationship at this point. He loves to play the stupid song that they play at all the, the time. Like beginning. anytime it's like, hey, you want to put some music on? He has to put that one on first. The scream. Try one? to jump scare me. It's a funny one. Yeah. yeah. 
I like putting it on and not too often to where like it becomes like yeah. super obvious, but it's like a fine wine. I got to like, sprinkle it in. I'm going to bring out the 71 Bordeaux. Not every time. Every once in a while, we got to just get it out. Right. I got to do it after not talking about funny games for a while. Yeah. And then she'll forget about it. Have that ease of mind. And then I just introduce Boom. it back. Yeah, I do. I really forget. I like actively try to remove several scenes of the movie from my brain so there's only a few he asked me if i wanted to talk about it on the podcast today and i was like i don't know man i like never actually think about it anymore i try to scrub scrub it from my brain scrubbed but like that first scene with the eggs is something that i will always i think even in that very beginning scene when they were just pulling past their friend's house where the guys were yeah i was like something's off i don't like this right off the bat so effective filmmaking effective filmmaking yeah <laughs> it was effective i mean he did what he wanted to do i was uncomfortable and i was screaming at the screen saying like why like grab pull your phone out or i don't know when it fell in the sink i don't remember what she was doing but yeah just like like every little or like thing when they that were, could have gone wrong when they were like staying too long when they could have left or right yeah and then oh my god another one that made me so mad i do remember now um when the wife was like, okay, these guys need to go. I'm not okay with it. And the husband comes in and he's like, well, can we solve the problem here? And she's like, no, I want them to leave. And he's like, well, let's hold on a minute. Like, I think you're overreacting. And it's like, she's telling you that she wants these people to leave. You don't, you can see how upset she is. I can see how upset you are. You I know. Just... <laughs> I'm a hands talker. Sorry. Um, Visibly like, hitting the microphone right now. And you're still going to be like, oh, well, let's give these guys the benefit of the doubt. Like you have a relationship with this person, you know, this person, you would know that they're not going to react this way unless something wrong is going on, but you're still going to be like, Oh, let's give these guys the benefit of the doubt and ask them what's going on. And then he gets kneecapped. Like it just, Kyle is getting uncomfortable with how many spoilers are going on with funny games. It's okay. We're like so still in the beginning territory of the movie. So like, thank you. See, yeah. I just wanted to justify it because I said it too. Yeah. Thanks, Kyle. Kyle yeah. just gave us a clear to tell you the whole movie. The green okay. light is a go. Yeah. Um. Was there anything else we wanted to talk about with it, or? I don't know. It just. It really. You don't need to go down the path if you don't want to talk about. <laughs> it's just. It's like hard to give separate. us some more events, and you're just yeah. like, well, and then you have this. And I know. I don't want to shell shock. Yeah. Movie. But like, it's hard to separate my own experiences and the context of like me and my life from the people in the movie it's and all like how the, I would react, which is like what he wanted to do. But it's all projection based, right? Right. And that's kind of that's where it gets to that point of really to me it's always it's creepy crawly, there's a chill in your spine. Because I think at the end of the day, everyone has that ability to do what they did. Not the guys, but the family. Right. And I think that's what really weirds you out is that you look and you look at moments that you've had and wonder if it had gone slightly different, at what point would it have escalated too much for me? And I think it's, then you get pissed at because you're also now seeing the relationship going on and you're like, hey, like I want them out. You know, like in your head, like, right. tell them to get out. You know? I know, I think I turned to Kyle or maybe even after that was part of the conversation. I was like, if I was visibly upset and trying to kick someone out, would you then take the side of the person that I was trying to kick out and give them the benefit of the doubt? Or would you like come to my defense and be like, hey, you need to leave. Clearly, she's upset. Something happened. And I think that was kind of part of it where he was like, I don't know. 
It was a little more than just that, <laughs> obviously, because I gave a, a whole spiel about like the perspectives of the characters and this kind of faults that they have and not knowing the situation. And that's exactly what the character says. Like, oh, I don't know the situation. Obviously, that's a character fault of his because mm-hmm. he's just blind. And the fact that they are kind of presenting themselves as like rich, yuppity, young kids with yeah. like golf clubs and white polos. Yeah. Obviously, it gives them a sense of security that is very misplaced. And it bites them later in the film. Yeah. And you can't... I don't know. Like, it's it's a good quality for a character because it shows that he has faults. And they act on it. And they mm-hmm. take advantage of it. And then the rest of the events play out in the film. And then it becomes captivating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. It definitely just strikes a chord. Yeah. yeah. I, I give you more. I love you, Jasmine. Uh, but she did. I don't think she finished the film. <laughs> I had it yeah. on, and she was like texting that she just she got to a point. See, this is why if we I think ever have something like that, I will be the one that walks up to Jasmine and I'm like, I don't know, they just strike me as weird, you know. And then she's like, well, then she'd be like, I'll kick him out. Yeah. She got she. I was one of the like we're watching it, and she just goes, uh, yeah, I don't. I didn't want to watch it anymore, so I just stopped watching it. And I was like, okay. I mean, I guess it's kind of like what we're bitching about in the film of these people not doing. You yeah. know, and like what you hear is a lot of people keep watching it and Jasmine was just like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to watch it. So uh, I commend you for watching it. I also commend Jasmine because I love you and don't want you to uh, <laughs> yell at Be- me later. Beat him up. <laughs> no, she doesn't. She's great. Be it with a golf club. Yeah. No, <laughs> she she does all the tough talking unless it's with the uh, electric company. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, I'm always like you. You can have conversations and with millions of people about. And it's problems. back to the phones. <laughs> I told well, not quite. Not we quite. Ate, well, we ate a big bill, and I was like, just call them, and like I was like, you talk to people every day about problems every day. How are you? You know, and she's like, well, I will, and then it never happened. So, th- she's listening to this. Yeah, this was a chord that was struck, but I love you, and you handle it my lightweight. So. Aw, well, that's a wholesome note to end this conversation on, I think. (laughs) Um, Cool. Well, thank you for joining for this uh, conversation. Yes, Megan, thanks for hopping on. We appreciate it. We talk about an uncomfortable movie. It's all right. We do it all the time. It's a a big ask for your first podcast appearance, I I will say. But you did a really good job. Yes. Thanks. Hopefully the audio is not too bad. Cut out whatever you need. (laughs) No, I'll probably just have to turn some stuff up, but it shouldn't be too big of an issue. Um, All right. One more bit of business. Yes. I get to make a recommendation. Do it. And this is one that I've had on my recommendation list for a while. It's the second one out of like 30-something movies that I have written down. Oh, boy. Let me just look up some information about this. Green Inferno. uh, Eli Roth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 2015. You know, Mac, you're not going to believe what <laughs> yeah. I have in store. Um, okay, so this is a 2006 film. Uh, kind of a little bit within the topic because... Funny Games too. <laughs> well, maybe not the topic, but like the time because of uh, Alan Arkin passing away. And I think that this is a really good film to touch on that he's been in. Alan Arkin film? Mm-hmm. And I know Lauren will be a big fan of this oh, pick. Oh, I know. And I actually have to say, I don't think I've seen this whole movie through. Okay. So this will actually be one of the films that I that you'll recommend that I've not like really seen. Oh, and I've seen it a couple times. Yeah, so, so I know it fairly decently. And I'm either going to break hearts or make people proud. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, oh. Was that not what you thought it was going to be? No, I'm just kidding with you. Hey! <laughs> 
That's a roller coaster for you, baby. He was on it the whole time. He knew about the bit the whole time. Ah, you got me. That guy. You got me. That guy. Ah. Um, Anyway. Let's go back to it. Yeah. uh, Directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris. And starring Greg Kinnear, Steve Carell, Tony Collette. Uh, I want to talk about Little Miss Sunshine. Perfect. So we will do just that for episode 53. Thank you guys so much for checking this episode out. Be sure to go to YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts if you want to catch more episodes. We're also on www.neoncrewpodcast.com. Get some merch from the Etsy page. I'll include a link in the description. Give us some good ratings on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you can. That would be awesome. Helps our engagement. And if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, be sure to do that as well. That would be sick AF, yeah. as the kids say. That would Saf. be Saf. Yeah. On fleek is what I think a current term Pissy. is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is that not still? <laughs> what do you mean still? <laughs> what was the other one that I used to drop all the, the time? The illest? Man. Yeah, you, but. You could not let go of the illest. I still won't, and Pissy's coming back. <laughs> That's. <laughs> Never wow. heard that at Fruitport, did you, Kyle? I never heard that anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Google it. Yeah. Just maybe. like the illness is on there. What movie? I told you about that movie that dropped that line, too. Didn't I text it to you? I don't remember what it was. Yeah. If, if you did. Oh, I did. I know I did. Fuck. Well, maybe that'll be a future episode that we remember that fact. Yeah. Maybe don't Google pissy if you can. It, go incognito. Don't go with R. Kelly if you do. Yeah. It, ooh. Yeah. Topical. Yeah. <laughs> Tropical. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there was anything else I had for the outro. <laughs> uh, you want to you wanna cap this <laughs> yeah, off? You want to do that? WWTHD. Bye, everyone. <laughs>